streaming live around the world, this is Paper Cuts with Brad and Jay. We'll just get this out of the way here. Thanks for joining us on Brad's show. Yeah, thanks for coming to my show. You I did not say shenanigans. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you drinking already? No, I've just got water. Just got water. <laughs> Always looking smooth, aren't you? Yeah, I, I do it. I try to clean up for the show. Look, one of us has to. Come on. Joining us this evening, uh, who really cares? It's it's the end of the world. I'm not returning that movie to Blockbuster. We are live. Giggity, 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 goo. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Paper Cuts. I'm Jay. That's Brad. Notes for the show. Brad, for some reason, I have a couple of notes for the show. Okay. It just the, the paper just says, pornography. And a rubber Godzilla mask. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, th- th- there's a story behind both of those. Our guest this evening, everyone, he is the uh, writer of the newly released from Weird Punk Books. I got a glare on that. Look at that. Pornography for the end of the world. Welcome got to blur the show. it out for the people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a glare. Welcome to the show. Brendan Vedito, everyone. Hello. Hey, thanks Welcome. so much for having me. Jay, that was the rudest entry you've ever done. Good <laughs> part. Oh, I just said, shame well, on you. The, because of the book, it's a tie-in. Yeah, For it's the a, end of the world. It, it, it fits. It's thematic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was I was getting into the spirit of the show. Yeah. So Jay, Kinda. if you if you had a blockbuster late fee, how much do you think a late fee would be for blockbuster by now? Didn't the, didn't the final one just close like last year or something? Did they? I think there's there was one left in Alaska, wasn't there? Is it gone? Is now? that the yeah. one or is it still open? I don't know. There's one in uh, Bend, Oregon, right? Is there? Is that where it is? is? There yeah. was like one or two left and that was it. Uh, I honestly I miss video stores. I wish they still had them. Oh, me too. I, I have I don't miss, I have dreams I don't miss price. <laughs> no, well, like it's <laughs> it's about the same price as it is to rent it like on Amazon Prime or something. What now, yes. I remember going to the Blockbuster and like getting four movies and it was like 20 25 bucks and then uh yeah red box red box came out and i was like hey yeah. you get the movies for 99 cents and i just that's not the same though it doesn't feel the same as going to the video store i know i know i yeah. it was fun walking around a video store and, and checking mm-hmm. things out the ritual yeah. aspect of it brennan you're in uh canada correct yeah ontario so yeah. They're, they're still using vhs up there <laughs> yeah we're using betamax over here Boom. <laughs> we need like a be bell pre- every time I make fun of Canada. <laughs> so be prepared. That's his favorite thing to do. Yeah. It is not. Come on. Crack it Canadian. So, have, yes. Brandon, have you seen the uh, Canadian just awesome horror movie called Ginger Snaps? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the worst movie. One of the worst <laughs> movies ever made. Yeah. I was on this other show, this, this um, show that we can't talk about. Um, <laughs> Contractual obligations. I know. P- part of my history of closing down shows, and we reviewed that sh- that movie, and I gave it some negative points. <laughs> so you gave um, it like a negative twenty stars or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was just horrible. I can't believe I finished it. Okay, enough about that. We're here to talk about Brennan <laughs> and all of his uh, all of his writings and, and uh, porn and, and rubber Godzilla masks <laughs> and and all this stuff. So, uh, congrats on the new book, by the way. Thank you so much. How do you feel actually, about actually seeing it everywhere it today? So, uh, did you finish today. it today? I did finish it today. It was good. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about surreal. seeing it everywhere? Everywhere you're looking right now on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram, everybody's got it. Like, look what I got, guys. Yeah, it's really like it's so really humbling because I mean it's been a while since uh, Nightmares and Ecstasy came out, and I was mm-hmm. kind of worried that uh, 
like this one's gonna kind of come out and like no one's gonna really give a shit and so it's really <laughs> yeah it's just kind of a, i'm really you know honored that people are you know care about it and they're sharing well, i think i think people care about it and give a shit because we're doing a little giveaway yeah <laughs> uh, cur courtesy of weird punk books sam over there hooked us up with the copy and we're doing a giveaway and we were promoting it on Twitter and a lot of people responded and so much, so many people that Brad created a wheel of names and a little bit later in about an hour or so, we're going to draw a name and someone's going to win a copy. So people, people are giving a shit. People want to know about this yeah. book. So that's yeah, really, really nice. The, the, the yeah. title is definitely intriguing people yeah. and the cover too. The cover's cover too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that goes along. Like, I mean, so the story behind that was, uh, Sam and I were just kind of shooting ideas around for a cover. Uh, and I just, all I said was like, I want it to look like a Polish uh, movie poster. Mm -hmm. And there's this kind of, I guess, uh, tradition in Poland, like uh, this art movement where like they do really surreal looking movie posters. And Sam was like, why don't we just get like the guy, like uh, Wildslaw Wyslawowski <laughs> to do it. So we just checked out the website and uh, I was looking through his portfolio and like, just, I forget what film this was for specifically but it just like fit the kind of essence of this book so well it's a romantic comedy it's a wrong exactly comedy. yeah <laughs> wrong i mean through from our conversations that we've had over the last couple of years with sam all you have to do is say art and movie and poster he could find it, it yeah, like, yeah he, go, he goes to yeah. extreme links to find that particular cover for the books that's yeah. pretty cool yeah he cares really deeply for like the books he publishes and it's great yeah and that cover, the just the art piece without the title and stuff on there, like perfectly matches the book. You couldn't have found a more better piece of art for the cover. Yeah, yeah, we really lucked out with that one. <laughs> what is a? Where did the name "Pornography for the End of the World" come from? Where did that? Because none of the stories are called that. And I don't remember. Do you say it in any of the stories or not? No, um, I think it came uh, with the realization that most of there was a kind of an apocalyptic thread running through them. Um, mm -hmm. okay. and it just, I don't know, this was, it, it was a lot, it just came to me more easily than because nightmares and ecstasy took a while to figure out that, that one, but this one was very kind of intuitive and I just it popped in my head. I'm like, Oh, this sounds good. And I asked Sam, I was like, is this cool? And he's like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I don't know. and, uh, the worms, I feel like there was, the worms were also a theme running throughout some <laughs> of the stories. Do you have a worm yeah. fascination? <laughs> uh, like it's funny because it's that was something I realized in hindsight. Like it sounds weird because <laughs> there's just so many worms in my stories, um, and it's not like I had like this traumatic moment in my childhood where like I fell into a pit of worms or something. But I think the just the representative of kind of the larger themes of these stories, which is that kind of um, repulsion and attraction. Because I think like worms in general, like I'm not like hold that for me. I just you know they're kind of gnarly, <laughs> but there's there's a fascination at the same time. Yeah creepy crawlies yeah <laughs> so i mean what, what would you i wouldn't say this is just straight up horror or I, what would you call it a genre of, of, of the stories in this collection or what uh, do you call them anything i mean it's just a kind of a hodgepodge something there for everybody type deal yeah there's elements of like the surreal like horror body horror there's uh, post-apocalyptic and apocalyptic themes um yeah it, it's it broadly speaking i think it falls within sort of the horror genre but yeah there's a lot of mm -hmm. kind of it's operating under different uh kind of umbrellas at the same time it's very much a transgressive fiction yeah absolutely like yeah yeah because that's that's some of the my favorite uh writing is transgressive so that's always something kind of i try to aim for in, in my own writing 
when you were writing these, uh, uh, was there a theme in your head trying to make them all connected with this apocalyptic feel to them? Or were these just several stories you've written over a period of time and figured, hey, they kind of go together with the end of the world theme and all that stuff put together? Yeah, like both collections. Um, it's kind of like a happy accident where they just all ended up sort of fitting the same theme. And I guess like I write um, in these kind of pockets of like obsession, like Nightmares and Ecstasy was very much like relationship focused and really body horror heavy. Mm -hmm. And this one, um, most of the stories were written during COVID. Okay. And uh, I think, yeah, like just during these kind of really kind of awful pivotal times <laughs> that happened recently. So I think the apocalyptic uh, uh, thread is like very much just like uh, it kind of insinuated its way into a lot of the stories. We actually get that a lot from uh, some of our guests over the past year that a lot of their stories and novellas and novels were written during COVID. So, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if there could possibly, not saying there's a shining light, there could possibly be something, you know, a lot of stories came out of that period. Not, And I'm not talking about the uh, cheesy, erotic COVID. Uh, Those are so garbage. stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah. Th that's I'm talking about like some good writing, good, you know, good storytelling and all that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause for the most part, it was very like the whole, that whole time kind of nuked my creativity. So my output mm -hmm. wasn't as, um, as strong as like, you know, in kind of normal times, I guess. But, uh, yeah, the few stories that are in here were, were written around that time. And you can see that in there. Cause a lot of the characters are, or the sort of their surroundings are, you know, they're watching the news and bad things are happening on the news with riots and you know, sickness mm. and stuff. So you can see that sort of our times now with what's going on kind of bleeding into the stories too. Yeah. Just being constantly exposed and kind of unable to escape that. <laughs> like just like that, yeah. you know, that, that reality. So aside from COVID, what has changed from uh, your last collection, Nightmares and Ecstasy to this collection, as far as, uh, your style, anything has changed as far as your style of writing, your approach to it? Uh, do you think you've gotten better? Uh, just a, a different kind of storytelling? Any, any major changes since your last one to this one? Like, I, I hope I got better. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think, for, yeah, for the most part, um, I, I'm, I'm a bit more mindful with my, like, in my application of like horror. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, when you're writing kind of transgressive material, like there's a sense of responsibility that goes with that. Mm -hmm. um, you have to kind of be careful and tread, uh, tread carefully. Um, so I, I, these stories had a lot more thought put into them okay. than Nightmares and Ecstasy. Um, yeah, and I feel like they're more mature than, I mean, like, because, uh, you know, Nightmares was written uh you know, but in my twenties, I was, I think 23 when I wrote the first story in there and, um, you know, early thirties now. Um, mm -hmm. So there's He's a matured. bit, I feel like there's a bit more maturity. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but your first one must've been pretty good because it won the, the Wonderland award. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, pretty wild. <laughs> and that was, you released that through clash. Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. Cause this one's weird punk. I was going to ask you about your relationship with both places, but, Oh yeah, I still. Uh, I'm hoping the next thing is potentially going to be a clash book. Um, okay, nice. So I've been working on something for them. Yeah, because I think you won it the year before or after Sam won it for Tawal and Ash and Sorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, we back to back. That was pretty awesome. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> nice. 
So it, it seems like you've uh, been involved with Weird Punk over the years with the, uh, you helped with the Cronenberg tribute, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And now you're releasing through this. Like, how did that relationship kind of be? How did you get connected with Sam? Did you guys just know each other from before or just through writing? You got connected uh, with we met at Bizarro Con, I forget, I think it was 2016. Um, and the Cronenberg anthology actually had its root in our first meeting. Uh, we were drinking just the kind of the common area where everyone hangs out. And mm-hmm. it just came up like, hey, there's no like Cronenberg themed anthologies. And we're just like, if you know what, if, it, if we ever decide to do it, we'll, we'll do it together. And then years later, he reached out. He's like, hey, you still like down to do this? And absolutely. So yeah, that was my <laughs> first uh, like kind of editorial experience with something like that. And it was yeah, a lot of fun. And yeah, really happy with the way it turned out. Are you a fanatic of Cronenberg like he is? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. that was, um, <laughs> and I feel like, uh, you know, you're talking about the changes from nightmares to pornography. It's, uh, I think <laughs> nightmares. That's a title. Yeah. Nightmares. <laughs> uh, there, that's the threequel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Combine the two together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like the the first collection is like there, there's elements of like it, it kind of borders sometimes on homage to Cronenberg because um, mm-hmm. I really identified with body horror uh, kind of in my formative years of you know getting into the genre. Um, it just really spoke to me in ways that other kind of uh, other subgenres didn't necessarily. But uh, yeah, so I think like I owe a lot of like kind of you know gratitude i guess to cronenberg and just for his inspirations i think that's uh a, a good description of weird punk books overall it's like transgressive body horror uh, because a lot of the <laughs> stuff involves you know of course it's transgressive uh fiction along with a lot of their stuff has body horror so i don't oh, know yeah. if that's what draws me to it or, or what but <laughs> yeah i've noticed that a lot actually yeah, so. yeah it's the perfect marriage <laughs> yeah did you have any other um, influences for this one? You said the first one was sort of Cronenberg-ish inspired. Did you have any different influences for uh, pornography? Uh, this one, um, there's a couple that stand out. So uh, I think it was it was early COVID days. I watched, there was a, fr- a friend of mine who grew up in uh, England and uh, he mentioned this movie called Threads and he saw, he saw it on TV as a kid and it fucked him up so i was like okay and i'm like how is wait it's a tv movie like how is it bad um yeah so i watched it and i was this movie's about uh it's a steel mill town in england that gets nuked by the russians or the soviet union uh and it just follows mm-hmm. sort of like the immediate the moment when the bomb drops and uh, like you know the kind of repercussions of that and then it, i think it goes 20 years into the future and basically how this part of the country just returns to like the middle ages because like this this event and it, it's horrific and like I, I watched it at like at the worst possible time and <laughs> uh, yeah and that was one of the just deeply affected me and i think that's one of the other kind of direct uh influences i can see that influence without having seen the movie i can see that in the story especially the first one yeah right. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah that, that movie's really rough <laughs> and like i mean like i i don't over the years, I've become more kind of sensitive to extreme stuff because I before in my like 20s and stuff, like early 20s, I could sit through like, you know, really messed up things and I wouldn't bat an eye, but I'm a bit more receptive to it now. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, watched, I, I was in a funk for a, at least a day after watching that <laughs> one. <laughs> so I've only I've only read one Clive Barker book. 
so I'm not I'm not too experienced on him, but I I felt like this very much felt like sort of Clive Barker esque material. Yeah, he's another major influence. Like, uh, there's you know, it's always like so humbling. Like when when someone compares you like you know nightmares or something to uh, books of blood because that uh, books of blood I think are like my favorite. Like I have to pick up favorite collection overall. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You just kind of. Uh, you know, I like his like his approach to kind of violence and sexuality. Everything has sort of this aesthetic uh, to uh-huh. it. Uh, you know, he uh, just he infuses a beauty into something that really shouldn't be beautiful. And I, that's something I kind of I think I do at some level with my own writing. Yeah, just the without I can't think of a better word. Just the strangeness of your stories feels like sort of the strangeness of what he captures as well. I could feel see that sort of uh, marrying together those different aspects of it yeah because i like to think with my stories like they don't really you know there's some they, they're set in sort of like this wonky kind of side reality where it's not quite mm-hmm. our world uh it's like a this kind of slightly kind of nightmarish version of it mm-hmm. um, and it, no matter like how screwed up it is i mean there's there's some sort of uh underlying beauty that that that's you could find in it uh, that's the way i look at, i look at clive barker and that's the way i was finding some of these stories to be mm-hmm. that you know no matter how screwed up like even the first one you know it seems like it's the end of the world but then there's this love between these two yeah that, that yeah. you that you have to uh you know the way it starts off freaks me to freak <laughs> out i mean that's just i, I don't want to i don't want to you know give it away i like but, the that it was sort of told in reverse. Like you get the ending yeah. and then it goes backwards. I like yeah, that a lot. Cause I think that that one was like, I th- arguably maybe the most personal. Yeah. Um, okay. But when uh, you do something like that and it doesn't do what it's supposed to, <laughs> but it, it leaves you kind of late. Uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> we, we won't get too far to it because I mean, people have to read it themselves. Yeah. And that one, the first know. one might be my favorite story. I really like that one a lot. Awesome. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of mine as well. Yeah. So what, without being too intrusive, you said it was sort of personal for you for the that yeah, first story. Um, so I, I just, I remember there's a very specific event. Um, I was walking with my partner at the time uh, mm-hmm. and I just, yeah, I think I was tired or something and I just like momentarily disassociated and everything felt really sur- like off. And uh-huh. this idea of this guy, like, um, getting premonitions and just, you know, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, just being kind of consumed by them. Uh, that, that was sort of the idea. I just wanted to write something that it didn't, it wasn't like bombastically like an apocalyptic thing, but it was like, just, it was sort of a pall over everything. It was uh-huh. happening constantly in the dude's head. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, I think that's scarier. Like the fact that it's, you know, it's mostly a mental experience. Yeah, there, there was a, a part, again, I won't, I won't give it away, but there was a part where it was like, okay, so do just like having a bad trip yeah. or <laughs> what, what's really happening, you know? Because it got to a point where I was like, okay, this dude's on acid. You yeah. know? <laughs> That's not really happening, but it was a good tie, like, uh, tie together at the end. So. Yeah. And even at one point, the guy, he, he sort of physically can feel or see you know, that presence over top of him that yeah. you know, sort of just, you know, horrible presence and making him feel those things. So I like how that tied in it. Like, cause you said you sort of felt that way, but you took it a step further in the story. Yeah. Cause you know, without, you know, getting too personal, like I, yeah. like I've experienced like health problems most of my life. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I think that's kind of where the, my fascination with body horror and sort of aberrant uh, psychology comes from. Uh, I, for me, just body horror is more intimate. Uh, it's, you know, as opposed to like an external uh, force, like a, you know, like a monster or ghost or whatever, it's inescapable. Um, and that's really kind of speaks to me. And I try to tap into that. Because everybody can relate to body horror because, you know, we all have bodies. So something can happen to us in some grotesque. We all have you know, bodies. You heard it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real, like people not, might not be able to write to vampires or werewolves or, you know, some cosmic horror, but body horror, like everyone can have that sensation of, oh, well, please don't cut my hand off or please don't yeah. poke my eyeball out or, you know, whatever. It there you go be. with your eyeballs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> eyeballs. There was no, I don't think there, well, there was a little bit, but not like you didn't focus on it. There was no eyeball horror in here. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, I know that bugs a lot of people. Like, uh, it does. I'm just thinking, I don't like, like a it. scene in he's gonna, he's gonna do a whole new collection of nothing but eyeball. Just eyeball. <laughs> yeah. That's what's next. So, what's, do you find your do you, do you think you're going to continue this style for your future writings? Stay with the body horror. Stay with uh, these kind of themes, or are we going to get all of a sudden like a like a uh, splatter West romance out of nowhere, you know, uh, like uh, <laughs> I don't know, a about space romance. erotica, Jay. You missed your chance, yeah. space, space erotica. erotica. <laughs> yeah, that's an untapped niche. Uh, <laughs> um, I, but the next thing, like, there is, I think, each book, like, they're they kind of piggyback off one another, but there's an evolution. Uh, mm -hmm. but the next one, there's there are kind of very selective moments of body horror, but it's more psychological and. Because uh, I think, like, yeah, obviously, like, as you grow, your fears change. And I think, like, I very, mm -hmm. very much like, because I, I value, like, honesty in fiction. Like, I, everything I write needs to, like, as weird as it is, needs to come from a place of honesty. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when you're applying fear to that. So, like, a lot of the stuff in here is, like, something, like, I, you know, have anxiety about or whatnot. And the next one, too, is very much that. But, you know, being, like, an uncle now and stuff that very much informed this book uh so there is yeah there, it's i'm sort of my my, yeah. my stuff is changing but there's nothing more scary than real life basically it, exactly so, yeah that's so yeah i can see i can see putting all that together and putting all that in writing for people so mm -hmm. yeah but kind of parent or an uncle or an aunt or grandparent or whatever that just all new fears open up once you've hit those certain sort of life milestones i guess you can call them exactly yeah um so I think that's why it's always going to, you know, as long as, uh, you know, I continue to develop, hopefully, <laughs> like, uh, like the, the, the horror will kind of change. But there will always be like, a, you know, that fingerprint, hopefully, because uh, I think I've developed sort of a bit of a, like a style. and uh, an Just aesthetic. really gnarly, nasty stuff you like to write about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of bodily fluids and blood. and yeah. It's weird because fluids. like I never I never sit down and I'm like, I'm going to write the most fucked up, gross thing I can think <laughs> of. It's just like, I don't know. It's just my imagination works that way. And I like to, in my mind, these are like metaphors. Like it's mm -hmm. uh, a kind of colorful way of like putting, like trying to uh, tackle like an issue or something. I don't know if that makes okay. sense, but yeah. Like it's, it's, it's graphic at times, but I don't feel like you ever go to like the extreme extent of it. Right. Yeah. There, you, you don't cross an extreme, extreme line. No. Yeah. Cause I feel, yeah, that's with the, like going back to the whole honesty thing. Cause like, I don't, my intent, like as shocking as some of them can be, it's not the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's just like the, the violence and stuff is like a vehicle for whatever I'm talking about in that specific story. 
Yeah. Do you think you're going to stick with just short stories or are we going to see like a novella out of you or a novel? Down uh, the next thing is a novella. Um, okay. Nice. And so I've been like, I just, I, I, I got really comfortable with shorts. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one thing. Cause like I, I can write a short story in a single draft mostly mm. uh, longer work. Like the work, the one I'm working on now is on its fifth draft. And I mean, like I I'll write a draft and just, set it aside and completely write it again without even referring wow. to it. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really hard on myself with longer. So form. you actually change it? Like, Oh yeah. Sometimes it's uh, like some stuff carries over as I move from draft to draft, but for the okay. most part, I just, it's a complete reset. And I just, it's almost like I'm working through the story. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's always a moment, even with shorts, like uh, it's, a short is usually born through two separate ideas that don't really seem to connect. And then once they do it, the, the idea kind of coalesces and I'm able to write it. And uh, that finally happened with this book I'm working on now where this, these two ideas collided and it just feels right. And That seems crazy to basically start over every time. That's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know. I, like I, I way to call a guest crazy there, Brad, but still. <laughs> hey, <laughs> at least I said his name, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, doing it that way, though, I mean, that seems like it's going to like keep putting it off and putting it off, you know. Or, who says you're not going to do it 10 more times? Are we ever no, going to exactly. see this novella? You know, <laughs> who says you're not going to do it 15 more times? You've done it five times already. Yeah. So. No, I, I think uh, I'm getting better. I'm learning. Uh, I think it was just through I'm learning to write longer form fiction. And I think that's mm -hmm. part of the process. Um, yeah. Cause the draft amount is shrinking. Like I've worked on novels that are just like absolute trash that have been like eight drafts. And, Whew, and one of them was like 600 pages long and it's oh never going to see the light of day. So, <laughs> so 600 times eight, whatever, however many that is, that's crazy. Yeah. That was years of work that just went nowhere. 600. <laughs> wow. That's six novellas. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's let's break it down. Let's yeah, make that let's make that like a serial. Let's do that. That's like Dickens. So like, yeah, again. like on the one you're working on now, like from draft one to draft five, are they drastically different as far as the story itself? Uh the themes and uh the characters and stuff pretty much say the same. It's just mm -hmm. sort of uh motivations change a bit. Um a lot of the set pieces are the same. It's it's really subtle things that just the tone kind of shifts. Um, mm -hmm. It's just because there's a lot going on and it's a matter of kind of getting everything together in a way that makes sense. Because with a short story, it's very much like, you know, you have a goal at the end of it uh, and you work your way through to that point and it's done. Um, and I'm not a fan of like explaining the nature of the horror. Oh, so that okay. was another thing I had to figure out with longer stuff was like, how do I you know, take the same approach I do to my short stories, but in a longer form without over explaining and kind yeah. of, yeah, ruining it like that, you know? Yeah. Cause in these short stories, you don't explain, you're just, you're thrown in and this is what's going on. And this is the people in the scenario and you just hit the floor running. Yeah. I like that kind of disconnect, like the surreal aspect mm -hmm. of it. And it's a little harder to maintain in uh, a longer longer work yeah that, that's, that sounds like a challenge because i mean you're, you're taking you, you might have the story that could be a short story but now you have to expand on certain parts you know to, to mm -hmm. make it fuller you know so mm -hmm. yeah so we're looking at 
2026 for that or? <laughs> maybe yeah i don't know hopefully wait I, yeah like i mean so next year uh it's been announced so i think i can yeah i can say it but like nightmares and ecstasy is being translated into spanish that's um, cool and uh i think hopefully like next the year after that will be okay the next book is this the one that's with with clash the novella yeah yeah because uh yeah it's been kind of yeah just covid kind of derailed it for a bit but yeah it'll yeah, that'll hopefully happen soon. <laughs> nice. So, do you, when you're going through these drafts, do you do you self edit along the way, or do you just you finish your draft and start on the new one and not worry about doing any editing or anything? So, my pro, usually everything first draft is written by hand, um, and I <laughs> shot myself in the foot many times with that. Uh, like I remember one of the drafts of the book for Clash, um, Christoph Paul, uh, one of the editors, he was like, "Okay, hey, like." I want it by this day or whatever. And, and I realized like, I'm like, fuck it and type this out. So I spent smelling the draft. <laughs> oh man. It was, it was like torture. Here's a few like, napkins. Make sure everything stays in order. Yeah. You, know, you wrote little parts down. Yeah. It's bad. And I'm learning like, uh, it's, you know, I've learned that it's, it's, you know, okay with a short story, but it's not practical with a <laughs> yeah. novella or a novel. My problem would be I can't read. Is... I can't read what I'm what I've written here. I have no idea. My hand oh, my handwriting atrocious. is atrocious too. Yeah, <laughs> I, was say, I, I don't think you're the first one that's told us that uh, they handwrite their first draft. I think I've I've heard other people are seen other people mention that they they do that, and it's just mind boggling because like I have no clue what I write down sometimes. Oh yeah, I do. I, think... I do the whole looking over here, writing over here kind of thing, you know, and like. <laughs> You're going sideways up the, up the yeah. It's like, it's like, does that look like a T or a W? And they they can't be farther apart. So I feel like Max Booth said he hand wrote something when he was on. I can't remember what it was. Is that is that who it was? Oh okay. yeah. Somebody he, I know other people have. So did he handwrite um maggot screaming while he was filming his movie? Maybe did oh, he handwrite so that? I don't know because I remember he said he was writing it in the editing room, so he might have handwritten part of that. I might be wrong. Don't quote that's me that. freaking long to be handwriting that <laughs> yeah yeah like the, i think part of the appeal hey sam's here uh yeah part so of we the gotta appeal, quit, we gotta quit talking about sam he, he <laughs> yeah yeah part the whole of the first appeal half hour was about sam <laughs> yeah just talking shit on sam the whole time yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll go yeah, back just, and watch it <laughs> yeah all the all the shit we're talking yeah like the part i think like writing by hand for shorts and stuff it's because like i don't have like a routine and like mm-hmm. i work a full-time job so there's just something like cool about you know tucking in your pocket and like sneaking stuff in like whenever you can like on the on the paper but uh yeah i think that's yeah because i you know hopefully none of my coworkers are listening but i, I <laughs> used to like really uh, i used to do it at work but not yeah anymore. i used to yeah like i would uh i mean if, if we're being honest with, our, with ourselves I, I remember writing short stories in class in, in grade school that way so i guess that's the beginning well, computers things, didn't right? exist back then joe you had no I know. choice okay. gosh yeah i, I, I <laughs> I guess I set myself up for that one. So, yeah. I feel like it would be a more more intimate experience to handwriting it out as as, as opposed to typing it. It, yeah, yeah. it would it would yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think it that's probably another reason why like I can like hammer out a story in one draft cuz I'll write it out, edit as I go and edit again when I type it and then mm-hmm. do another sweep. So technically doing like three uh, you know, rounds of edits just through the process of translating it over to like Word. Mhm. <laughs> still yeah <laughs> that's doing too the, much especially like if it's the, like a novel or something so. oh yeah i know that's it's not practical 
So you, do you think, do you foresee yourself getting to a novel length story sometime eventually? Yeah. Um, I have a few ideas that could fit that mode. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, picking the right one and starting. Cause yeah, that's another thing. It's just like, there's, you know, ideas that have been floating around in my head for like 10 years. And it's just like, same with this next one, like this, uh, yeah, like I, I think I, I came up with a very kind of, uh, uh, almost like fetal version of like the story when I was like 17 and then uh-huh. it just developed into what it is now. So I, I tend to carry ideas for a long time. I think that might be pretty normal for writers, but. How often do you get new ones while you're in the middle of another project though? And, and uh, do, you, do you feel like you have to finish that first project in order for, before you start on, on the next one? Yeah, generally, like I can only focus on one thing at a time. Um, the idea flow has kind of, it's not as like uh, uh, intense as it was like years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of slowed down a bit, but I do, you know, occasionally like it's, it's you know, every few months, like something will pop into my head. And also like, you know, the more you read and the more films you watch, like everything kind of combines in your head and then ideas are formed that way. Well, do you want to uh, do reading now, or do you want to you want to draw a name? What should we do, Brad? We gotta make we gotta make people wait. You want to draw a name? You want to draw a name later? About yeah. Another, a little bit later. Let's do a read. Let's do something? some uh, some. Him- let's, let's read some porn. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He's reading it for the articles, guys. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, my my documentaries. <laughs> uh, so i'll read yeah from pornography for the end of the world it's a shorter one called uh mother's mark i do usually read that one when you said it was a short one that, that i noticed that was the shortest one in there so. yeah it's just like a yeah, page and a half um in the middle of the night the fissure on her apartment wall bulged and disgorged a man encased in an amniotic sheath he struck the decaying floorboards with a pulpy crack white fluid pooling around his huddled form The woman crouching in the corner of the room, impatient for this moment, stood up and approached him. The sensory organs on her face danced in response to this new and intriguing stimulus. Already she could feel herself growing wet with desire. Hopefully her latest experiment would yield positive results. Rolling up her sleeves of her satin robe, she used one fingernail to slice an opening in the amniotic sac. Clear liquid gushed out, washing over the ruptured sheath and diluting the white substance already spread across the floor. The woman reached inside, nutrient sacs and capillaries tangled in her fingers as she probed for the man's forearm, gripped it and pulled. The mother's mark, wrapped like a living tattoo around her upper arm and shoulder, glowed a faint orange in the gloom. Its blessing coursed through her muscle fibers, imbuing her with the strength necessary to lift the man to his feet and hold him in a clumsy standing position. His legs were unsteady, their musculature hardening and springing into shape as she watched. He was a handsome specimen, two fingers above six feet and broad in the shoulders. His body and head were devoid of hair or follicles. His mouth was lipless and filled with long, narrow teeth designed for sexual biting. The woman also outfitted his skull with biological accessories intended to enhance pleasure, lubricating orifices, an organic vibrating module, and pores that excreted a sensation-heightening gel. The woman held his shoulders, looked up into his face. He certainly looked better than her previous efforts, but the true test lay in his functionality and abilities. 
She glanced around the room to ensure she was alone. It was cluttered with broken and dirty laboratory equipment. The apartment's electricity was being funneled into a massive chest freezer that hummed like something alive. Inside were the pieces of organic matter and she, she intended to recycle from failed experiments. She had eaten the rest, roasting the flesh over a propane stove. The four corners of the bachelor were occupied by birthing nodules the woman had recovered from the street, where they had fallen from the sky-bound body of the great mother. They had long since metastasized into the building itself, allowing her experiments to transition from wet dream to reality. Her senses honed on the single blacked-out window. Beyond was the city with its rivers of flesh and the great mother watching from above. As always, the woman would have to ensure her experiments remained a secret. The great mother had eradicated the male species for a reason, and any attempt to reconstruct or resurrect their kind was punishable by death. She passed a hand over the man's face, her sensory organs droning a reverse lullaby. The man shuddered violently, breath surging into his body. Mere seconds elapsed as he acclimated to his environment, and then he was upon her, grasping her waist with sinewy hands and pressing his mouth against her neck. The woman moaned softly, curling her fingers around his bicep and tilting her head back to encourage his advances. His teeth pinched her flesh and pulled, sending a white-hot streak of pain through her nerve endings. A little too hard, she noted, but that could be easily adjusted. Then he spun her around, tearing the robe away in a flash of gleaming crimson and squeezed her breasts. Hot pheromone lace breath uh, panted against her neck. His cock, eight inches long and studded with fat deposits to increase pleasure, rubbed against her, the cleft of her ass. She tried to loosen the, his grip on her, but he only tightened his hold so she could barely move. Memories of past failed experiments flooded her mind. Not again, she thought. Why couldn't she breed the primal aggression from her subjects? Was it so firmly rooted in their sexual identities? Not for the first time, the woman wondered if this violence was the reason the Great Mother had purged them from existence. The mother's mark flared a bright orange. The woman effortlessly pulled herself away from the man, spun around, gripped the sides of his head, and decapitated him with a casual upward motion of her hands. Blood pumped from the ragged hole in his neck, and his body collapsed, twitching to the floor. She tossed the head into a corner of her room and looked down. A thick stream of seminal fluid trailed away from his softening erection. The woman hummed disappointment. Another failure, but at least she would have something to eat tonight. Damn. <laughs> that's just one of the stories that someone is going to win tonight in this collection of stories. That's like a penthouse form meets uh like extreme snuff film or something. Yeah, HR Geigers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. All those body fluids, I'm telling you. Yeah. Fluids. <laughs> a lot of fluids, yeah. Yeah. Do you like um do you like creating these monsters or creatures or whatever? Because you have I don't know if in every story, but in almost every story, you have some type of entity or creature or something. Do you like to create those kind of things? Is it fun oh, yeah. to do that? Yeah, I love, like, ever since I was a kid, I've loved monsters. Um, mm -hmm. and, nice uh, reaction there, Crystal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love monsters, and it's just, like, it's super fun to be able to, like, I, I like kind of challenging myself and doing something really unconventional with uh, kind of, like, their design, basically. Um, mm -hmm. The weirder, the better, and yeah, this one, it's been a while since I wrote this one. I was reading it over and I was like, oh shit. I forgot about these birthing nodules and all that. But, uh, like, it's very alienistic, if that's even a word. Like, you know, these pods and stuff like that. And the river yeah. of flesh is very Clive Barker esque. Yeah, I like that the kind of the juxtaposition between, like, you know, she's in an apartment. Like, so it's very much like, you know, there's 
the kind of a human aspect, but it's just invaded by this uh, mm-hmm. kind of outside force. And I just like that in my stories, like having kind of mundane reality rubbing against something like ultra strange. Uh, yeah, there's without telling what there's the story with a tower in it and the tower is actually not a physical building. It's made out of human flesh once the person gets closer to it. So stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, yeah, there's a weird kind of like almost like artistry to some of these like mm-hmm. grotesque things. What was your last collection? And again, I haven't, I haven't read the last collection collection yet, uh, but was it as graphic and artsy or just more like, uh, I, know, I, I know you said you got a little bit, you developed a little bit more over the years, but uh, was that one of the big changes or was it identical? Was it still artsy and graphic like this one? Yeah, I think it's, I would argue that one was more graphic. Um, okay. Yeah, just because of its overt uh, approach to sex, because it was just a lot about relationships and sex. And Okay. Uh, Do you have any extra like uh, outtakes from these two past collections to just to make a cut <laughs> and you're working on? Uh, see like a, the B-sides. It's like Brit and Venito, B-sides, you know, the ones that make the first two. Pornography from the back back room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, a dad's. Through the double doors. Uh, yeah. Dad's pornography, like under the bed. Uh, um, awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, a lot of them, I think there's only a handful of stories like that aren't in here. Um, like there's one coming out, uh, Stories of the Eye through Weird Punk that was edited by Sam, uh, Richard, and uh, Joe Koch. Um, mm-hmm. There's one coming out in that uh, that was originally like I, uh, it was just sort of it did line up. Um, okay. And there's a couple that like I'm still working on uh, that I haven't cracked yet, uh, and the, but didn't fit the theme. Uh, so I just kind of left them aside. What is there anything for your stories that you feel like would for yourself that would be too far that you would not go to that and write about those certain topics or anything? Um, I think I need a really good reason. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's certain like you know uh, I wouldn't just yeah like I said earlier like I wouldn't just write something to be shocking like I have a really good reason. I think like that's good. I, I also like um, you know the more sensitive the subject matter if you can approach it and sort of like um at, at a remove like you know have it more in the background than actually right. like really showing it like right in your face kind of thing because mm-hmm. a lot of these things is gross and stuff and it's the body but it's not you know it doesn't go there, yeah there's nothing like i don't know it like a outwardly offensive like i don't know right I, I, yeah I, I like the approach to it i mean i i appreciate that a lot because i i've said before in the past like you could tell when someone is trying to be grotesque and extreme just for the purpose of being extreme and trying to shock and one-up themselves but you have something like this where it's it's there the the shock is there and 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 the uh the gruesome grotesque stuff is there but there's a different approach to it you know Mm -hmm. you might take a detour to get to it and there's a reason behind everything and then it kind of ties itself together instead of just you know putting guts and, and gore all of it for no real meaning to it so i i totally appreciate the artsy approach to it in this way thank you yeah yeah that's how i just like there's there's always got to be like a reason and right yeah because everything is just like almost like there's a core to the stories that are just happen to be wrapped up in this like really nasty kind of like viscera and this coating and um like there's themes in the next work that are really heavy that I was almost reluctant to even like touch 
Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was the other reason why it's, you know, it's taking a while to develop because it's like, I need, like I'm putting a lot of thought into how I approach this and I don't want to fuck it up and like do it in a way that's yeah. insensitive. Um, yeah. Can you, are you allowed to tease at all about what the other one's about just a little bit? Yeah. I'll give just, anything I'll, away. Yeah. I'll just like, cause this happens in the, like the first pages of the book, but the whole thing revolves around a mass shooting. Okay. Uh, that's sort of the, the inciting incident, sort of the thing that reverberates through the whole story. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like, you know, it was hard to write because like, it was just, you know, every time I'd, I'd sit down and then you'd see the news and it would be something else like that. Right. So it's like just doing that in a way that felt. Well, I mean, again, it goes back to the real life. Like I mentioned earlier, that's, that's the real horror. The real life is the real horror stuff. And that's what exactly. you're seeing constantly this day and age. So, mm -hmm. yeah. With that being something so frequent that happens, did you ever feel like maybe I shouldn't touch this? Maybe I should change it to or write something different instead yeah and that was you know part of the struggle that this this book was going through was just like a, you know identity crisis and like uh, it was a step forward for me because i wanted to really uh, kind of hone into these things that really bothered me and do it in mm -hmm. a way that you know kind of take my approach to it um so there's a lot of back and forth with you know wrestling with whether i should even touch this or not yeah, um, yeah. and you know i finally i feel like i finally like i'm, I'm approaching it in a way that feels valid and not like i'm it, it, not exploitative in any way mm -hmm. and that was not that this not that this should have any bearing on you know your art or what you want to write about but do you fear any sort of backlash for writing something kind of like that at all oh i fear that all the time because like i just you know like that's because it's so not it's really not my intention at all um, uh -huh. and that's why i just put so much thought i'm like you know I, into the stories and i don't want like even with the shorts like i don't want anything to kind of bounce back and like someone to get you know offended or anything and you know it's it, it'll happen i'm sure but um yeah, yeah. somebody's going to find fault with it somewhere. there's worms yeah. on the cover i hate worms <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's fine zero like, stars I mean, <laughs> i'm ready for it and like it's it you know it's part of you know writing horror i think um mm -hmm. and i think i you know just comforted in, in the notion that like yeah yeah like these story like i you know put some thought into them and uh yeah they're coming from a place of honesty you're not just slapping them together to go shock somebody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was it? What well, I think Lansdale said: if you're not offending somebody, you're not doing it right. He said something. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that, that, that is a good quote. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the stuff. I think there's like you know there's being offensive in a way that like it, it kind of challenges your your preconceptions, um, mm -hmm. and then there's just being offensive because like it's not you know it's tasteless and yeah, offensive just for the sake of being offensive. There's a difference. Absolutely, yeah. So, so how long did it take uh, for you to get comfortable with your own style? Or are you still trying to, uh, you know, find your, your, your proper style? Because I mean, I, I can see your style through these stories and what we've talked about tonight. Are, are you comfortable with that now? Or are, uh, are you still tweaking things and trying to find the right place to go? Um, yeah, I think like there's a style I'm comfortable with. Like a lot of these are written like third person past tense. Um, and there's just like a kind of a rhythm I find within those limitations. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, like I just, I, I like experimenting with different tenses and stuff. Uh, mm. I don't, I didn't do it so much in this one, but, uh, like nightmares and like other works I've, but yeah, I just, I feel like it's constantly evolving, but there's always like, I'm noticing there is a thread that's going like carrying through no matter what approach I take. So like, I feel like there is a style that's emerging. Yeah. Uh, and there is a comfort in that because I can just 
I can ride it and let the story you, write it. You, you have something you could always pull from that kind of voice, basically. Yeah, or always have a, a something you could pull, a, create a story from that feel that you have for these kind of stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a, I've developed, and I think like this, you know. Some would probably argue this is dangerous, but like a, a like a comfort in my style. Yeah. And, uh, so, and, and that is one thing I'm I'm deadly afraid of is like I don't want to descend into self parody because the nature of what I write is really uh -huh. uh, kind of indicative of that. Like that's very much a possibility. So that's why I think it's important, like just moving forward to constantly kind of like evolve and you know incorporate different <laughs> ideas, uh, just so I don't end up writing like you know like the spoof version of. <laughs> of you know what i've been writing for the past few years yeah sorry i wasn't laughing at you i was laughing at chad <laughs> oh yeah i i, I saw the same thing <laughs> jay the whole point might... was uh, was trying to make this trippy so yeah. you might start seeing worms and stuff jay if you lick that wall by <laughs> yeah. look look chad it's the end of the world okay so that's okay so you... chad keeps a cannibal so <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he liked that review. <laughs> you posted it. He was like, "Thanks." So like he didn't look like LOL or, like, or nothing. There was no LOL after that or anything. That was. Like, <laughs> yeah, I did a review for uh, Chad's Cannibal uh, book, and Creator. it was more like it was more like a, a, a news report saying that Chad Lutsky is a cannibal, and I, yeah. There were all his real life experiences that he put into fiction. Yeah. <laughs> There's no context to it, though. Like, he didn't say, I'm joking at the end or nothing. He just cut the video off. <laughs> He's done. a straight up cannibal. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I haven't heard from him since. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite story in the collection, or is it is it too hard to say that? Like, picking a favorite kid? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I really like the first one, um, Walking in Ash, because it's just. Uh, you know the kind of intimacy of that story and also i really like the the last one um mm -hmm. uh, oh my god i'm blanking on the name of my own story right now the uh, uh the uh the, the uh, snuff film one not, yeah nostalgia nostalgia night night snuff, palace. snuff palace yeah just because i and you know like th that was written in like a really dark time and i have very <laughs> little memory of actually sitting down and writing it um okay and it was that makes sense for the, for what the story is too, kind of. Yeah, and I just I remember I had to I got edits back for it, and I was like I had to reread it, and I was like Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> I, and I think it's one of the more like just kind of nastier stories I've written. But there's some there's also like this really uncomfortable uh, like beauty to it. I don't know, like I just because yeah, without giving too much away, it's just like you know. It, it, the world is like in like such disarray like the only way these characters can like uh feel like kind of any like positive nostalgia is like through watching snuff films and like finding um you know like oh like that room looks familiar or like that tree i've seen those trees before and mm -hmm. this is really sad it <laughs> is <laughs> uh, that was a good story i like that was that the longest one in there probably i think so yeah that was like i think uh eight close to like nine thousand words or something like that Cause there's some, uh, some camaraderie and friendship in there, you know, with this group of, uh, you know, I guess travelers or whatever they are, the survivors headed towards this movie theater and then just stuff like all the stories, stuff goes bad for them. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I like, I really like on the topic of like creatures and stuff, I think though that story has my favorite, uh, you know, kind of monster and all like the, these things called the like, Carolith. They're like living yeah. cylindrical shaped rocks uh -huh. and, uh, 
that was the challenge. I'm like, I wanted to do something like just so weird and like innocuous, but like have it really menacing. And, and you tie like tech. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no worries. Uh, yeah. And it's just uh, that one has its roots. And so I had my appendix taken out when I was in like 11 or something. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't react well to morphine. And I started hallucinating. And I, I vaguely <laughs> that, remember this. But that my, explains a lot then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My parents said, and they're like, you, you suddenly you're sitting in your bed and suddenly your eyes just pop and like you're pointing to the foot of the bed and you're like, there's a rock at the, like at the end of the bed. <laughs> and I remember like, just I have this vague memory of this really sinister looking black kind of cylindrical shaped just rock. Monolith kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Basically. And uh, so I wanted to use that. I, I always knew like, I'm like, I just need to find the right story to like use this like evil rock basically. <laughs> <laughs> They're much more menacing than it sounds. They're much more than just an evil rock. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you uh, you incorporate technology into that as well. That's sort of the uh, device that they use to do what they do without saying too much. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's another thing too. Like, you know, technology without explaining how it works. I think like, uh -huh. that's, I mean, obviously it's not sci-fi. So, but yeah, I like that too. The mystery of like how something actually operates. And just like the weird stuff like that, like the rock, that just so much like Clyde Barker, at least in my opinion. Mm, yeah, totally. Are there any stories in this collection that you could see like a, a continuation or maybe expand them into something longer for a future novella? Uh, I think the, the first and the last one have potential. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah. Cause I, I, one of the re early reviews of this one, they met, they wanted to see like, uh, you know, the last story, like broaden into like a, a whole work and like, I've definitely thought of it. And but by the like, time you rewrite it and you do your 23 <laughs> yeah, draft, it's going to be like so, 2031. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one you could go back to, you know, how it all started because you just, you start and they're in it and they're, you know, it's who knows how long it's been going on and stuff. At least long enough where they don't really remember the good times. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's definitely like, uh, you know, there's a broader world there that could be explored. Mm -hmm. So and maybe eventually that'll happen. And with the first story, you could do, you know, what happened with that one or different perspectives of the same events with different people. Yeah, I feel like that one actually, like, I just like the kind of, you know, as like a psychological portrait. I think that could be done kind of longer and more detailed, like just like an examination of the relationship. And mm -hmm. yeah, just a more meticulous approach to like how, you know, this is premonitions develop. And... Like, the, it's a really small, intimate story, but I'd like to see either more before or after of the uh the church or the chronically ill i think that'd be a fun story to elaborate on oh yeah like that's probably one of the more grounded ones there's no you know supernatural or uh mm -hmm. thanks chad <laughs> uh yeah that, yeah that like one's I, all just straight up like real life there's nothing crazy in that one at all yeah it's just you know i wanted yeah that was i just really wanted to write something that was absolutely grounded um mm -hmm. And more sinister and kind of you know off camera i guess so to speak yeah that was pulled sort of like a got cult vibes like drinking the purple kool-aid kind of stuff from that one yeah and there's i think i like the purple kool-aid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man i can't stand any any kind of purple stuff oh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like uh, the cult thing that, that I, I was writing that at the same time I was writing this this book I'm working on currently and there's also like cult elements in that one but it's all like okay. you know because the whole idea of like cults it's like it's just been done 
so often. To death. It, yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of finding ways, um, kind of moving it into like a more modern context and seeing what that would look like, mm-hmm. or even kind this, of, you got to find the right a, spin for it. So mm-hmm. it was a very different take on cults, like why everyone is together for the reason they are. Because normally yeah. it's you know a, more of a religious thing for the most part, but this was they're all together because they all have some kind of chronic illness. Yeah. And I think like the root of that idea, cause like, you know, like I was diagnosed with a chronic illness when I was 15 and like someone had told me, uh, I forget who it was, but like, uh, you know, like, Oh, you know, like, you know, sick people tend to be more creative. And I thought that was kind of messed up uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, you don't need uh, kind of illness or whatever to kind of preempt creativity. Like I'm sure like it can help with inspiration and stuff, but I thought that was kind of weird. And like that, sort of stuck with me and I mm-hmm. applied that in this sense. And it's still, even though it's, there's no, you know, cosmic stuff or it's very much grand, a more grounded story. It still fits within the theme of, you know, the end of the world. Cause it's this kind of cult. It seems like end of the world kind of stuff that they're kind of doing there. Yeah. And just like they found their own little kind of comfort, the demented kind of comfort space within, yeah. you know, their little niche in society. Yeah. Yeah. As twisted as it is. Yeah. <laughs> We gotta give it away. Let's give it away. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so I want. I want to get into. I got a couple of odds and ends questions. Do you want to talk about more, uh, porno and here. Godzilla masks? Is that what you yes, do? yes. But <laughs> oh, but excited. We we were doing a little bit of giveaway on 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 that Twitter machine there. These are the people now. According to Brad, I didn't go back and look. These are the people who followed directions. <laughs> okay. Um. What were the directions? You had to retweet it. You had to like it. Follow right. us and, and comment. You had to uh, give us a, a book that you wanted to read before the end before of the world. Before the end of the world. That was the clean version. My version was to <laughs> give us your, your favorite, favorite porn. But... I actually have an answer to that, too. <laughs> I mean, I would have went with favorite porn star, you know, because there's, <laughs> a, there's an age range on Twitter. And I'm, what about what about, what about your favorite type, your favorite genre? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could have really blown up, really. I mean, <laughs> I had things in my head, but okay. We, we were trying to keep it <laughs> at least, at least somewhat PG 13. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you right. want, Brad, always hold me back. So these are people who follow directions, right? It's so gotta be family friendly, Jay. <laughs> so if you didn't follow directions, that's why you don't see your name up there. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> you didn't, maybe you didn't leave your, the, the book or maybe you didn't retweet it, or maybe we know you didn't like the comment. You probably didn't follow us either. So it's okay. Uh, all right. Let's <laughs> spin the wheel. We'll see. Hopefully this will work. Can y'all see it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's spin it and see what happens. It's the end. I of put the Jay's world name in there. So we can we win know it. It. No clue who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put their Twitter name so we could do it on Twitter. Cause if I just put their name, I wouldn't be able to find them again. So if you so are watching have to now, go oh, over on Twitter to let me find her name here. I'm not um, Twitter friendly. That's like that's like three names in one. <laughs> Renee Elizabeth. Yeah, she's down here near the end. I remember. Oh, I was going with Renee Lisa Beth. Oh but yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess I guess your way is right. Your way is right. So her on her name is Ren Elizabeth. Oh, okay, that's it. okay. Gotcha. So if you're watching, 
And if not, we'll put it on Twitter. I'll put it on Twitter tomorrow who won. But if you're watching, you can email us. I, I, just, I just did this because um, <laughs> I saw her location and it's not. <laughs> she's in the united states oh is that yeah, what you did yeah, yeah. <laughs> shipping so, is crazy out of the country Rin elizabeth if you're watching you can email us at the email address on the screen with your contact info and jay will get your book mailed out to you the quicker the better because i got this was payday so i mean if you get me next weekend <laughs> I, might wait, I might have to wait another week so and if, if you're you not me, watching if you get me this weekend yeah if you get me this weekend i could probably get it out soon but next week if you're not I'll watching wait a week I'll post it on Twitter in case you're not watching. She's we probably so, not watching. She's probably we sound not watching. so pathetic, don't we? It's like, <laughs> I'll please, get please. it to you with my paydays, okay? But <laughs> 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 know what my, my payday is. So. Jay, you're so stingy. <laughs> this is the actual copy. I've not broken the spine or nice. anything. You so, get your yeah. aren't stuck together I know. or anything. <laughs> they, they could. Mine's over there. But I mean, if anybody's ever gotten anything from Weird Punk books, you know, you always get some swag inside too. Nice. There's, uh, there's the the usual postcard, uh, little some cards that, in there. There's a, a bookmark in there. Um, there might be a sticker. I'll have to see. But yeah, and I'm not broken a spine yet on this. And can I give a shout out? Did Ira Rat do the font on the front? Because we he did. Him yeah, he, last did the, he designed the cover. Yeah. He likes seeing his names in books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's all he's all about the font. He's like, I don't do much with the picture, but the font. It's, the font. That, that was the whole uh, <laughs> yeah. spiral last time. Yeah. He added a grain to it that really looked like added this kind of cinematic feel to it. Uh, and yeah, I just like the, I think he played with the colors of it. And, yeah, oh, that was that was him too. See, he's so humble. He was like, oh, I, I didn't really have much to do with it. So <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, super nice guy. So. You got some inappropriate questions to ask. Is that what we're going to do? Were we going to do a game? Did we do? Did we even set up a game, or did we? Uh... We can do a lightning round if Brendan wants to. Yeah, sure. You want, do you want to play a game real quick? Yeah, of course. All right. I don't have any appropriate inappropriate questions. <laughs> yeah, you do. But I, you? I actually have an answer if you if you're interested in the favorite porn, and okay. it's not it's not what you expect. So uh, there's a porn filmmaker. His name's. Uh, Steven Sayidian, he did uh, Cafe Flashes is famous. And it's a deconstruction what, of... What's it called again? Cafe Flesh. Cafe um, Flesh, okay. And it's set in the post-apocalypse. And uh, <laughs> this nuclear event basically rendered most people uh, like unable to uh, like have sexual activity. So they go to this place called like, Cafe Flesh and they watch these uh, select few people are still able to have sex uh have sex and it's the it's so bizarre uh, like all his movies are yeah he did another one night dreams um and without getting too graphic there's a jack-in-the-box scene like a man-sized <laughs> jack-in-the-box with a long nose and okay yeah. oh, is jay looking this up <laughs> oh jack's getting a box okay. yeah <laughs> I, I don't think this is on the World Wide Web anyway. You can't look that up while you're at work, Jay. It's not safe for work. I was gonna say you got the <laughs> yeah. I think it was like early or uh, late uh, late eighties, eighty nine maybe. Um, but yeah, it's like you don't watch this movie like the, the way you watch porn. It's just it's really <laughs> it's just a movie that's you know happens to have sex in it, but it's really bizarre and kind of hilarious. That was not at all the answer I was expecting. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> 
I was expecting like big booty bitches 13 or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> An underrated <laughs> classic. Yeah. <laughs> Number 12 and 13, they're they're top notch. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you could go some classics. What, what was uh behind the green door? That's uh yeah, I actually haven't seen like I mean Marilyn Chambers, yeah, she was in Cronenberg's yeah. Rabbit. Um, but I, I never saw yeah, behind the green door. I, I find it <laughs> I shouldn't say funny. <laughs> I find it weird when uh they leave the industry and then they bash the industry. It, and I think Marilyn Chambers is one of those that has yeah, done that. A few that did that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, I, well, I can say like now that they're out of the industry, like they're free to say whatever they want to say. About well, they, they can say whatever they want, but they once they leave the industry, I mean, well, I mean, like if they're still in it and they are bashing it, they're probably not going to get any more work. Yeah. Well, there's, I think there's a few that did that, and then like they realized because I think it's there's been documentaries and stuff on the topic where it's like just difficult to like lead a normal life after you've done yeah. porn so a lot of people just kind of fall back into we it. are we're after nine o'clock so we can go ahead and talk yeah. about <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> boy this conversation just changed it do we need to put a banner up late night and paper cuts later yeah. <laughs> paper cuts after dark yeah <laughs> boom chicka bow wow all right let's, let's let's do the game you got a lightning round ready to go or yeah what's uh our fancy budget where's it at This is what we right. fall back on when we don't put together a, a specialized game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jay, you got well, 60 well, seconds on the clock, Jay? Well, Come on. Shoot, I got to do that part, don't I? Gosh. Gosh bless. Jay, I don't. Brendan, would you like to co host this live I was show? Say, paper cuts is looking for a new co host. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Wait, I got to find my clock. There we go. Stopwatch. All right. Ready? Ready. And go. What would your weapon of choice be in the zombie apocalypse? Uh, a samurai sword. <laughs> What's your favorite TV show of all time? Twilight Zone. What's your dream job? A full-time writer. What's the worst food you've ever eaten? Oh, uh, I forget the name of it. That that fermented fish. I think it's a Norwegian. Gefilte, gefilte fish. Is that what? Yeah. It is? I know what you're talking about. It's the one in the can. It's thirty disgusting. seconds. It's all, yeah, it's yeah. All, yeah. Fish in a can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. What's your favorite horror movie? Uh, the Thing. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, God. Uh, I think to read minds. Ooh, Ten seconds. Your uh, celebrity crush. Man, I don't I don't think I have one, actually. <laughs> favorite band? Uh, Two, Mars Volta. One. 60. We're good. 60 seconds. We'll, we'll we'll finish out with one. If you could read one book before the end of the world, what would it be? <laughs> one book. Um, Sorry, one book you can't left. win your book. You already have it. So <laughs> you, can't, you can't read your own book. <laughs> um, I think I, I did think about this, and I think it's like it just goes back to like if you know the world's ending, you have one more book to read. Uh -huh. uh, just go back to your childhood, and I probably reread uh, the Lord of the Rings. To be honest, nice. the whole all three of them. Yeah, yeah, I have a, a nice hardback with all of them in there. Jay, what about you? What would you, if you could read one more book before the end of the world, what would it be? My gosh. Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. Finally get that fantasy under your belt. Well, oh, yeah. if, if, if it's dependent on like, I had to finish it before the world ended. So yeah, I, I would do like a super long one because I'm slow to, <laughs> I'm slow to begin with. Yeah. So. You're extending the end of the world. You know, you can't, yeah. <laughs> the end of the world can't happen until you finished your book. 
It's like the end of the world relies on when Jay gets done with. (laughs) But I hate fantasy, so uh, it'd be it'd be like uh, probably one of the twelve hundred page Stephen King books or something, you know, like The Stand or something. Yeah, yeah. That's such a tough question. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Yeah, because another one was like Ray Bradbury's October Country. That would be another choice for me. That's one I haven't read. I haven't read much Bradbury. I read um, something Wicked This Way Comes and Fahrenheit 451 and maybe one more. Yeah, he's just, uh, yeah, like his short stories. I think that's where he's at his strongest. If I had to pick one, though, I honestly probably the new Stephen King, just because that's a simple answer. I think it comes out next. (laughs) Fairy Tale. I got to read that one before the end of the the, world. The the fantasy one? It's called Fairy Tale, yeah. Okay. Oh, is that out? It comes out sometime next month, I believe. Oh, cool. So the world can't end until at least the book comes out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, Cormac McCarthy's got a couple coming out. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did we we get, get, get those and check those out. Which is, you know, a... it's, it's funny because one one of them is on NetGalley. It shows up, and then you, you select it and says, sorry, this is not available yet. Like, <laughs> why are you telling off. me that? Yeah, why are you telling me it's there then? <laughs> I read a Blood Meridian, and that was – a lot of it just went over my head. I was like, I don't have any idea what it's talking about. Like it yeah, was good. I, I enjoyed it, but I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I love, yeah, absolutely. I think that's my my favorite McCarthy. But yeah, it is. It's really heavy and it's kind of laborious and and then no like uh, no thing. quotes and stuff. I was like, I don't know who's talking. I don't <laughs> it took me a while to get into but, the flow. Yeah, like, his style, the punctuation yeah. stuff. The first time yeah. I read the road, I was like, I don't know what's happening the editor messed up big time I, I was like, I was like did i get like is this an advanced copy did i get <laughs> it's like 2020 i'm reading it like is this advanced copy there's no <laughs> editing you know yeah i find it's like i, I think i read I, so i read blood meridian and then i listened to the audiobook and that was really like it added some contextual like it it flowed okay. really well uh you're able like you know it was more performative so that the lack of quotes didn't really matter at that point but like the judge was a great bill. That's his name, right? The judge. Yeah. He's yeah, a basically great like a devil allegory. Yeah. yeah. And then after I was done, I looked up all these like conspiracy theories about who the judge really is and all yeah. this kind of stuff. <laughs> that, that increased my enjoyment of the books. Like, Oh, that's cool. That makes more sense. But reading it, it was a little bit for me. It was like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost biblical the way it's written. Like it is. Yeah. Do you, um, like his type of violence is di- very different. Do you, for you, do you try to emulate any other authors like that with the way you portray violence in your stuff? Because yours is very, you know, kind of straight. Like like we talked about earlier, it's not extreme, but you're straight to the point, and you know, you just sort of go for it. Yeah, I, I don't feel like you you should like varnish violence. Like, mm-hmm. um, I you know, even it, it like film is just kind of an easier way to talk about it. Like. There's, it really kind of pisses me off when like, you know, someone gets the shit kicked out of them in the movie and then like they they have a bit of blood coming out of their nose. Yeah, they get right back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, I just, I, I think like there's a, like a lot of characters like that I write about, like sustained injuries or like, um, you know, like something like even a small thing will happen and like they're, you know, they're pretty much like impaired. And I, mm-hmm. I like that. It's like adds to the sense of like, because like isolation is a big element in horror. But like when you can bring that to the character, like where, you know, it's difficult for them to kind of get around. And uh, there's one in here. Um, 
uh, oh my god, I'm referring to the <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, hold on a second here, uh, the, the human clay. Uh, okay. So that yeah, that that one he's basically that one's such car. a weird story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I just like. Uh, you know he was dependent like because he's very he's impaired you know he, like he has physical disabilities so he he's confined to his car and as mm -hmm. a means of mobilization and funny story I, i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot myself in the foot for this but the human <laughs> clay uh you, so you gotta I tell realized, us about this because that's that's probably the most bizarre story of the whole thing <laughs> and this i'm gonna about to ruin it for everyone because <laughs> the story title let's just read it right now <laughs> The, uh, I, I realized after the fact, because I generally like I'll Google the story title and make sure I'm not ripping anyone off. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I didn't do that for this one. And I looked it up after and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And it's a, <laughs> a, a Creed album. Is I, I was going to say, like, <laughs> one of the bands I hate the most. But yeah, that that yeah. when I read that, I was like, what the? I got to make fun of them for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I emailed Sam right away. I'm like, dude, I fucked up. Like, <laughs> Cancel the whole project. We're yeah. dead. I don't know. Burn it. Yeah. So tell us about that story. Where did these this without telling us what happens? Where, where do these ideas come from? Because it's so such a bizarre written... thing about what happened to this this guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, without giving too much, so this one was written for the Cronenberg anthology. Sam and I okay. wrote a story, so it, you know, there's a lot of elements in there that are very deliberately kind of tapping into that Cronenberg's uh, kind of uh, visual language and stuff. But the, you know, the one element you're talking about, like, <laughs> like the pig thing. So like yeah. I do, you know, I, like I, I love animals and stuff, but like pigs for some reason, like I'm like, there's something really fucked up out of the pigs. Like they're <laughs> genetically very similar to humans. And like there's just the stories of pigs like eating people and stuff. And I just think how horrific that would be uh, to be eaten by a pig. But also uh, I read somewhere that, a pig can orgasm for like 30 minutes long. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the fact that like propelled me like towards <laughs> there's an element in that story. But I was just like, imagine like, like that's debilitating. Like you're just coming <laughs> for 30 minutes straight. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, God's goodness. Yeah. Now, now we know what kind of porn you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> you're like five minutes into, you're like, I'm over this. Can we please yeah. be done? Yeah. I'm done, you know. Yeah, it's that almost like the worst yeah, like, nine ninety nine I ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> like a trip that won't end, but yeah, it's it's fun for the first like ten minutes, and then <laughs> <laughs> like it's starting to hurt now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Can we be over it, please? Because <laughs> that's just like the embodiment of body horror out of all the stories. Yeah, at least for me, like overt depiction. Yeah. yeah, like just gnarly, nasty, sexual, gross body horror yeah. with pig with pigs involved. Yeah. That's the description right there. That's your that's your review right there. That's my review. Yeah, it would suck <laughs> to get eaten by a pig because it's not like they have sharp teeth. They're just like grinding you instead of like I guess do they have sharp teeth at all in the front? I think they're like, like do pigs do that. Like... I know like boars have the tusk and stuff, but just right. like a pig, do they have sharp teeth? Boars and hogs, right? I know they do that, yeah. but I don't know. I didn't know pigs can eat people. Yeah, like yeah. Robert Picton, like the uh, Canadian serial killer, uh, he would feed some of his victims. To, he owned a pig farm, and he would feed some of the victims to it. Pigs. Well, they even crunch the bones up, don't they? Yeah, they eat everything. So it's just like that's quite... a really messed up way to dispose of them. But that's like the best way to 
Yeah. It's <laughs> lamb stuff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the best way to get rid of a body. You, yeah. It's food for the pig and it's taking care of your problem. Two birds <laughs> of one stone. Oh, but so that, I mean, that, does that make us cannibals then? Because, I mean, we end up eating bacon. Yeah, um, that's another pork. weird thing to think about. Because, like, well, even like, I think like Margaret it's... Atwood tapped into that where they're like orcs and crake and stuff. There are these genetically engineered pigs. Like, mm-hmm that have like more human traits and they de- develop sentience, I think. For but, those just now tuning in, if you <laughs> eat bacon and pork, you are a cannibal. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just read a, since Chad was in here, I read his new collection recently and he has something kind of like that, which, which was kind of fun at the end. You have to read his new collection, but yeah, I won't oh, say that, more about it. I think, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Spinal remains is the collection. I can't remember what the story was called, but he has something similar to that. I'm worried about, about halfway through it. Is, is, there, is it closer to the end that you're referring I feel, to? Or? I feel like it was in the middle. Okay. Maybe I'm getting ready to do it then. You'll know the story because it's like one of the most painfully painful scenes to have ever read without giving anything away. It's like, oh, that <laughs> just hurt my body so bad. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of body horror in that one. Awesome. So before we uh, went on the air, you were ta- telling us a story about, we were talking <laughs> about shipping. We were talking, yeah, we were talking about cost of shipping, and uh, I got to know why you bought a rubber <laughs> Godzilla mask, and and what well, what was the shipping cost on that? Like you said, yeah, it was, like, bucks well, it was or so? di- yeah, it was directly from Japan, so it cost it like it was like a, a little over a hundred bucks, I think. I mean, did that make it authentic? I think so. Like it's specifically so. Like I, I love the Godzilla films. Like those yeah. were like I rented those from Blockbuster actually. Like uh, as there a kid, go. to the point where like I broke the VHS tapes. <laughs> and uh, this mask is specifically from Godzilla versus King Kong in the original, where he looks okay. like really goofy, and his eyes are kind of like yeah on the side <laughs> of his head. Um, so I ordered this. I'm like, I just I need this, and uh, I went to a music festival with the specific aim. To scare children with this mask, (laughs) that's awesome. Scaring kids is great. Yeah, (laughs) I could say that as a parent. I love to scare my kids. No, she's now tuning in. If you eat pigs, you're a cannibal, and scaring kids are great. Yeah, like my oldest son, he's six. He hates it. He gets so pissed off when I scare him. My youngest son is one, and he finds it hilarious. Every time I scare him, he just laughs. Just he like just hysterically. Just cackles. There's no clue what's he going does. on. Yeah. He doesn't have any yeah, idea what's going on, but he thinks it's like hysterical. That. Yeah, she's like, she takes it pretty well. You spook her, and she laughs and stuff, so it's pretty funny. Yeah. My oldest one, he gets so mad, <laughs> <laughs> which makes it me want to do it even more. It makes it even funnier. Oh, it's so fun to scare people. <laughs> so what's going back to years and years and years what actually got you into writing did you do stuff in like grade school did you write short stories in grade school and just decide i'm going to follow this or or was it a dare or what (laughs) um so i i think of the earliest like manifestation of it like i was like six and i would do like going back to this actually ties into godzilla so i Mm -hmm. write i do my own comic books but like basically godzilla ripoffs yes uh And I remember specifically there was like stuff like uh, you know the like a T Rex versus like uh, you remember those old <laughs> woodcuts of like sea monsters like where they yeah, have like yeah. boats coming out of their, like I had right. one of those things and I remember um, in school I went to like French Catholic school my whole life uh, except for university but um, 
so they uh, frowned and, upon your horror stories, didn't they? <laughs> oh man, yeah, it wasn't fun. There was nuns and stuff. It wasn't a good time. But uh, you, gotta, you gotta send them copies of the. Of the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta put it in their library. Um, <laughs> but, it yeah, would just instantly was... burst into flames as soon as it went into oh, the yeah, building. I, I can't even step in the church anymore, man. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I remember one time I, I drew this picture in class, and it was like a a guy <laughs> getting his arm ripped off by a giant praying mantis, and I like. I remember nice. like the teacher like leaned down and looked and she's like, Oh, that's, that's nice. And like, <laughs> I'm surprised my parents didn't get a call, but yeah, like, so it went from like, I wrote those comics when I was like six and at eight, I wrote like a, like a, my first book. Like, uh, so it was always something that was just, you know, in, like I started out being interested in like fantasy and stuff. And mm-hmm. then as I got older, like I veered more towards horror fiction. Um, like it was very deliberate. Like I remember just thinking, like, "Hey, like I really am fascinated by this." And so I, you know, I bought. Uh, I think it was edited by Mort Castle. It was like on writing horror. It was one of those Reader's Digest uh, on writing books. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a list at the beginning where it's just like the top horror novels you should read if you want to write horror. So I started there, and then I, you know, you just follow that branch. You read like Lovecraft, and then go to Clive Barker, and then just sort of follow it so you read all those too while you were trying to be a writer yeah i read at like and watched absolutely everything from like total garbage like vhs <laughs> transfer movies to like you know like classics and stuff so i was just really like immersing myself because at that time in my life um yeah i was just going through a lot health-wise so horror became like a almost like a weird coping mechanism yeah mm-hmm. um and yeah and in the writing especially so it kind of transferred over but i was just you know a sponge and just absorbing as much as i could so godzilla essentially got you into horror in a roundabout way exactly yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah i still love that stuff like those those are the only movies i watch with the dub the dub in them because it's okay. just so much funnier like when... <laughs> <laughs> like it's not synced up whatsoever and yeah it's just i, I, like... I love what it's like one word but their mouth is still yeah. Oh yeah, the best is like there's one where like a they're really kind of abrasive child character, but you can tell it's like a grown woman that's voicing <laughs> him, and it just sounds so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. There's something just like nostalgic and appealing about those movies that like they're so bad that they're good kind of thing. Yeah, there's definitely they're like comfort food at this point for me because I yeah. just you know watched them all when I was young. But even for like the Godzilla stuff, like the person dressed up in the puppet, like all that's pretty cool and kind of ahead of its time for when they did that yeah it's wild too like when you watch like or read about the process behind the first one the guy because the suit was just so impractical and like uh confining mm-hmm. and i think he would pass out repeatedly and they would have buckets <laughs> of like, sweat and shit and like there's like no osha <laughs> <laughs> yeah or... yeah and you yeah just studio lights burning down. <laughs> yeah because you're on all the studio lights just you know emitting that heat through that suit <laughs> yeah just baking in there like it's awful because <laughs> i've worked no, in a, on a, yeah i've worked in a hot house before so i've worn like the latex and you know stuff mask and they do get hot but that's in the dark i can't imagine in a studio with all those big hot lights coming through that yeah, suit. Yeah. that'd be awful yeah you gotta try wearing a godzilla suit in the hot house <laughs> <laughs> just be dead <laughs> you, can, you can totally see this is way off topic but the uh Power Rangers got inspired by Godzilla. Yeah, that was oh, actually, yeah. I didn't really watch that as much, but like all the stuff like Ultraman and all that stuff. Was, yeah. Um, There's yeah, like I, spinoffs or, or, or knockoffs right now that my kids watch. I'm like, that's like a 
Power Ranger knockoff. I'm oh, yeah. Power Rangers. Weird stuff. There's always like, it's Power Rangers and they have whatever the subtitle is. Power Rangers in space or Power I mean, Rangers. I, I, I was whatever too over. Did you watch Power Rangers? I was too over Power Rangers. I, I did yeah, when I was. I, I, watched I watched Voltron. The original one. I watched oh, Voltron yeah. too, yeah. Yeah. I watched Power Rangers with whatever the original one was. Probably my early teens was like when it was sort of getting out of it, but it was just cool to watch people fight monsters on there. Yeah. It was it's so cheesy and bad. Because <laughs> my kids watching, I was like, I was like, why did I watch this as a kid? This is awful. <laughs> I know. Looking back, it's like oh, some of that's just pretty bad. So, so we've established Godzilla and Clive Barker. The, the, those are your uh, your, your influences, influences like for your writing. Parents, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then uh, some uh, porn movies that we've never heard of. <laughs> and that's what, so that's what it, that's a good description for this book. Clive Barker meets Godzilla meets uh, <laughs> porn you never heard of. Yeah, that's <laughs> my review. It'll be up next week. Yeah, you gotta finish the book first, Jay. I will. I will. I'm really behind on my reviews. <laughs> so, is our short stories? Is that what you're most comfortable with? You think? Yeah, and but I, I feel like yeah, it's time. Like uh, I'm feeling like it's the time to move on to longer stuff. Um, mm-hmm. not that I've like had my fill and I'm still going to, you know, when I'm offered, you know, to write something else, they'll do it. But yeah, I'm just really want to, it's about challenging myself and I really want to kind of push and yeah, explore different ways to tell a story. Do you have a lot of short stories in other anthologies? I know you mentioned the one, uh, was it in the eye of the, oh, stories, it, of, uh, stories, stories of the, of the eye. eye. Yeah. Um, you have one yeah, in there. I've been in a few. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. all, most of them, like, I mean, a lot of them in here were previously published in a different okay. uh, anthologies uh yeah because i just i you know i, I love like being able, like i i do kind of still keep my eye on like what's accepting stuff and you know something catches my eye so, like, so you're you're usually looking to see if people are putting calls out as uh, opposed yeah to like I, releasing your own like this is you said most of these have been in other things so mm-hmm. after you got the rights back he's decided to put them together then or because yeah. I've always I've always wondered about that. And I think it was Mark Taus that we mentioned this too, because he's got he told us he has like a hundred short stories ready to go, basically. And my question to him was why not just release a short story collection? You know, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to eventually, or he has, but I, I think he's always looking for a call out there. Do you have stories that are ready to go for calls? Uh do would you rather do it that way, or do you prefer putting a bunch of originals into a short story collection like this? Um, I think like what I'm most comfortable, like right at this moment, like I, if I get an idea independent of any kind of call, I just write it and then I'll look for something somewhere to submit it. Or like, I'm fortunate where like I do get invitations and stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. so I do write around themes and, uh, but I always, yeah, I always try to try to do it in a way that like, it feels true to like what, like it has to be like, you know, one of something I would write. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like very like ultra thematic. You know, to the where you have to adhere to very specific um, parameters. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's you know, it's it's challenging, and like there's, I'm sure there's a lot to be learned from it. But I feel like it's slightly like creatively stifling for me personally. Some are so specific that's like, okay, we're looking for this and this and this. And I'm thinking, well, I can do two of those three things, but you know, the third thing that I'm out of the question for that. You know, some are just very specific. That's why. I'm always curious why people don't do more of their own original short story collections, mm-hmm. you know, but they're like, I guess they do. And I just don't see them all. 
but mm-hmm. yeah, some of the calls that are out there, it's just so very specific. And like, if you get one or two things out of line, you're not going to get, you're not going to get picked for it. So, yeah, but that is a story now that you have for your own collection. So, yeah. And I think like, I definitely, you know, come out of my comfort zone in that regard, like uh, for uh, Sam Richard uh, edited, it was called zombie punks fuck off. So it's like mm-hmm. punk zombie collection. Um, and I was like, I don't like, I, I don't think I have a zombie story in me, but I sat down and I thought about it and I finally, I did kind of my own approach to it. So like, I think like, even when I like, you know, I do put those like weird limitations, like I don't, I'm never going to write a ghost story and I wrote a ghost story or no mm-hmm. zombie stuff. And I'm like, I do have an idea for a vampire <laughs> thing, but I'm like, it's kind of there like, I'm I love vampire stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, it's fertile ground for like innovation and like doing different stuff. And I think people are more accepting of it because it's like so prevalent. And that's, that's kind of the, one of those genres that you don't really say you're doing until it's ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, oh, like, just so you yeah. don't get, you know, so you don't get the eyes like vampires. What the hell I'm are you talking at, about there? Yeah. Buddy? Yeah. <laughs> Zombies or vampires? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like two of the the genres that I've gotten like some bashing over the last few years because of bad TV shows and things, you know, vampires yeah. oh, and yeah. zombies. If you say vampire, I'm instantly interested in the story, regardless of what the rest of it is. Like, well, I don't, I just, really... oh. Yeah, there's some really solid vampire books, like, you know, Papa Z. Bright. Uh, mm-hmm. There was one by, um, it's called Stainless. He, it's the same dude who wrote Brand New Cherry Flavor, but that's probably one of the more original takes on it. Okay. It's like a vampire girlfriend story, but it's really well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have you watched Brand New Cherry Flavor? Yeah, yeah. I've only watched that one scene that everyone was talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? With the, oh yeah. The, the stomach the special thing. sex scene. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I don't, I haven't watched the series yet, but it was all over. We were talking about TikTok before we went on the air too. And it was all over TikTok. And that's <laughs> yeah. how I, it was like, what did I say? Episode four, episode seven or something like that. It said what mark to what, what minute. And I had to go the to time watch it. I, yeah. that, it's funny that scene when I was watching it, I was like, fuck, because there's a in, my, in Nightmares in Ecstasy, there's a story like a story where like uh, something very similar happens. And I was uh-huh. just like, fine. And I read the book after watching the show. Uh, and it doesn't happen in the book. So like, it's just like exclusive. See, I copied the- off your book, man. <laughs> I don't, yeah, Cinema I don't cease and assist letter. <laughs> get the, yeah, get some royalties. I was, I was that was weird. That was yeah. weird. Is it a pretty extreme? I've, I have not watched it, but I've heard it's a pretty extreme series. I I think it's great. I just love, I love like Hollywood stuff, uh, especially mm-hmm. the weirder Hollywood. Like Boogie Nights is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I, I love Boogie yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, anything kind of, I just, that's one genre uh, that I really kind of gravitate to. When I they do. take a chance like that, like the, the gritty, you know, controversial things that's, that's why I, I get into so, some stuff still so watered down but when you get into something like that it's like okay this is cool that's what you could do you know yeah like mining that kind of underbelly of Hollywood yeah. and stuff and yeah it's just yeah i love that stuff yeah so would you be interested in writing some kind of weird horror underbelly hollywood story i i do have an idea for that one <laughs> yeah it's uh it's very near the surface actually um uh and it's funny because, like, I won't really talk about it because it's not anywhere near, uh, like, even being written yet. But pro- the title for Pornography for the End of the World was a working title for this this 
idea. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so I applied it to this one instead, but I do have another and one. And then you did your 23 different redrafts and, and <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you do that. Down <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like that you don't really see much horror that involves Hollywood like that. So that could be something new and fresh. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really yeah, not that really it hasn't been done, but the idea. So, and I just I, I I think the thing is like I just want to do more. This is the one book I actually want to actively research, because um, mm-hmm. a lot of my stuff I don't because it's just you know, kind of seat of my pants kind of stuff. But like this one, I would like because you know it's uh, it spans decades and it actually draws on real history like cl- and stuff, classic Hollywood and stuff. Yeah, it, who knows? I mean, with all the different streaming platforms now, I mean. It's a possibility it could be turned into something that uh, Prime shows or Netflix or Hulu or you know one Shutter. of the yeah, yeah oh Shutter, yeah Shutter like, could be a Shutter original you know because that that's gained a lot of grounds over the last couple of years for oh yeah there's some great so, stuff on there yeah so possibilities definitely yeah that's Do another you... kind of I would love um, to get into screenwriting um, actually a writer I really admire was reached out and said like hey you should really think about turning nightmares and ecstasy into like an anthology film so and i definitely definitely kind of was on my mind um Mm -hmm. and the only thing i'm I'm intimidated by the technical aspects of screenwriting because it's so different from writing fiction right Um, Uh so that's something a hurdle that i have to overcome uh to learn those technical aspects but yeah i'd love eventually to kind of transfer over Anthology movies are, are pretty interesting because they, they need to be done right. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't mind, and I don't know how close because I haven't read uh, all of Clive Barker's uh, Books of Blood, but didn't Hulu last year, they, year before, they did he books had of blood. Books of oh, Blood. They, they. And it was, it was, yeah. And some, I, I don't, I don't know enough about the actual books to compare it. I didn't mind the movie. The movie I thought was fine, but. Hmm. I think it got bashed because it. it was I don't know if it was actually. From, I don't know if it's actually based on any of his stories, or if they just took the title and threw his name on. I it thought it was like it was supposed to be loosely based. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody could correct me. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but yeah, I mean, yeah. when you use that name, though, you're like, okay, it's going to be. Yeah, because that's yeah. that'd be awesome as an anthology, but I feel like he's one of those writers that's actually just very difficult to adapt. Like the only mm-hmm. one who did it properly, like I think, like he when he like Hellraiser, it's because you know obviously Barker wrote and directed that himself yeah. yeah Candyman was pretty good too oh yeah that's yeah, incredible yeah that's a bit more grounded compared to a lot of his other stuff though mm-hmm. but while I was reading your new collection I could I was picturing a lot of these like playing out on screen on TV or movie or whatever it's like they were very visually pleasing where you could oh, I could visualize this monster and you know the light flashing from that road down the road the the house down the road and you know all the ashes raining down everything yeah it's very uh, a very visual writing style that you have thank you yeah and yeah that's one thing i i would love to write film and uh the only thing like because you know applying i i definitely thought um of applying for like canadian film grants and stuff to you know to mm-hmm. fund a project but i'm always worried that like they're gonna look at my resume <laughs> uh, and the stuff I published and be like, fuck no, we're not going to give you money. Like, <laughs> make this weird porn adjacent horror thing. Like. But <laughs> here's the thing, though. Like, like, okay, say this collection, it wouldn't have to be a movie. It could be a series because if you've watched any of the American Horror Stories mm-hmm. or even the uh, um, the Canadian version, it's called Slasher, I think. 
Oh right? yeah, yeah. That, that actually shot in my hometown. Actually. Yeah, I mean, if you watch that, the weird, crazy, sexual, horror body, you know, all that stuff. Mm. That's what this is. So yeah. I mean, because okay, you, you, this is a lot of this is like apocalyptic horror stories, body horror stuff. There was a whole season, uh, like a, an apoc- the apocalypse was coming for American Horror Story. You know. Oh, it was like right, season yeah. eight or nine or whatever. That's what it's called, what American Horror Story Apocalypse. Apocalypse yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if, if it was like into like a series like this, I could definitely see, you know, each one of these stories being, you know, an episode in that series. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I guess it's like there. Are, I guess you know, TV has come a long way in terms of what yeah. is allowed to be shown and stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you get on HBO, you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> oh yeah, there's some like really yeah. Uh, that, what was it? Uh, Euphoria. It was an yeah. HBO show with uh, Zendaya. So yeah, kind of yeah. A weird... the girl, the girl from Spider Man. Yeah, it's like this surreal right? like teen she's drama. Like, yeah, she's she's in like a show that my kids watch, and I'm like, you don't ever watch her new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I just, and I you wouldn't even have was to. Really, it, I was like, oh my god, there's so many dicks in this show, and it's like <laughs> they can just do that now. And it's just like, do it. Just do whatever great. they want. HBO's <laughs> always been like that. Yeah, and then, and then if you go on Netflix, it becomes a hit. They just cancel it. So yeah, <laughs> once yeah, they have a bad track know. record for that. They just don't they? Yeah, I think they spend too much money on other stuff, and then they can't afford the bigger productions that people actually like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you wouldn't even have to, you know, adapt all the stories because they're doing um, oh, what's the anthology? Grindhouse Press Worst Laid Plans anthology, the oh, vacation yeah. horror. They made a movie out of that, and they picked like four or five stories from that Holy and shit. filmed a little That's anthology so cool. movie. Yeah, I I that. That's so that's awesome. an anthology movie, then, right? Yeah, they picked. Okay. I think, I think they had five originally, but one they couldn't do because the director got dropped out or something. So I think there's four stories. Oh, and okay. uh, Justin T. Coons, he did the the cover poster for it, which looks dope. It... I think that's coming out later this year or early next year. I think. Oh, amazing! That's so cool. They did like yeah, the... I feel like the horror anthology is. It come, there's another VHS coming out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's there's definitely like it's still a thing, uh, and it's just yeah, I think it's just the challenge of doing it in a way that feels fresh and like, yeah. that connects the stories. It didn't Shutter have one recently, an anthology movie, like into last year or something? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm the, my you all talked you all talked about it on your show, Jay. Mortuary was it that one? Something oh, like the Mortuary that. Mortuary collection, yeah. yeah. Mortuary collection, yeah. Okay, yeah. It was all right. It wasn't too bad. Mm. I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I didn't give it a negative. <laughs> negative 20 just yeah. just a flat zero star it's not negative no it was probably a three or four or something like that i don't know who knows those numbers are subjective anyway so yeah. uh, I, I, I like anthology because you get all kinds of different flavors of story and characters and all that stuff all in the same you know product mm-hmm. yeah and it's cool when there's different directors too you get like mm-hmm. a different totally different feel story to story different view and everything so mm-hmm. So is that something you, for real, thinking about doing? Is dipping into screenwriting some, adapting some of your stuff, maybe? Yeah, like the the you taking. I've specifically like three stories from Nightmares and Ecstasy that are really kind of that could fit well together. It's just yeah, mm-hmm. I think the the thing is like finding the frame for them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that's kind of the linchpin that ties an anthology together. It can make or break it because you have like really weird things where um, I just remember I think it's the tales from the dark side movie isn't there like uh like 
blonde, a blondie plays like a witch. Like, and it's like yeah. a Hansel and Gretel thing. And yeah, that's the frame story. And it just <laughs> feels really out of place with like, all the rest of it. Like the thing yeah. is just kind of strung together. It's cool, but like, yeah. Uh, and there's another. I, I, I never thought that fit. Yeah, it, just felt it like, was just it was weird, but it, it was all I thought it was because as Blondie to begin with, it was just mm. you know, hey, let's get a somebody that's popular to do this part. But I don't know, that's just me. Yeah, <laughs> like stuff like the Creep Show movie has a really great framing device with the comic and stuff, right? But, um, yeah, or like I really like I, the first two VHS movies are a lot of fun. Uh, mm. I don't think you, I've seen the, the what's the new one for Shutter VHS ninety four or something like that. Yeah, and uh, I think at TIFF uh, in a couple of weeks or something, there's another one like a ninety okay. set VHS. Yeah. That's kind of. Did you have any? Uh, you ever have any actors in mind for who you'd like to play any roles in any of your stuff? No, like I. That's one thing. Like I don't. I don't do like you know. I, I think a lot of like a lot of writers do like dream casting in their heads for their characters, and that's never something that. Because uh, I would, I would be the, I would cast complete unknowns. I think to play. I've always heard that you're not supposed to do that to begin with. Like I, I've always heard like producers and directors get pissed when, when the writers are coming <laughs> in with with the person I had in mind was Tom Cruise for this, and they ended yeah. up picking John Goodman or something. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, no, we 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 see this person doing. You know, it's just you go in like I, I had did sell Washington for this one and, and they ends up being like it's Chris rock carrot top <laughs> yeah. or somebody, you know, Danny DeVito. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally opposite. yeah. So, yeah, I just think I also like the idea of just like, you know, you don't see the actor, you see the character. So just like mm-hmm. having someone like, you know, that, that doesn't really have like a, yeah. you know, a pivotal role that you identify them with. Uh, yeah, because I do that sometimes. Like, it'll be some big name in this movie. It's like I can only see this as Matthew McConaughey. I can't see it over this character he's supposed to be playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. In, the, in the Dark Tower movie, which was awful. Like, he played the man in black, Randall Flagg. I was like, that's just Matthew McConaughey. I can't picture him as Randall Flagg. Yeah, yeah. I even it's, felt like just going back that's to like Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jim Carrey. That's like some really odd connections there. So, <laughs> yeah, like the the guy who played I forget his name, but he was like. Uh, the Stan miniseries from the nineties, the guy who played mm-hmm. flag in there was pretty, is it Rob Lowe? Is it Rob Lowe that does no, that? Or is he, uh, in... he was, oh, he's, 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 yeah, he's in Flag, there, but he's not, Rob he's Lowe not. is in it. Yeah. I he's think. not flag. He, okay. Yeah. He just, he had the, the mullet in there. I was going to say he had a mullet, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mullet and it's, I, I don't know. Did he ever do anything else? I don't Probably think not. I, yeah, I don't know. Like I just, I just see that role. Cause like, uh, yeah, I just remember rewatching that as a kid and being like, yeah, that's, it was like it felt really um obviously it was toned down but it felt really kind of the one of the few Stephen King adaptions that kind of captured like the uh the essence of the, like the book and i think that's mm-hmm. like he's like really hard to adapt um yeah yeah i i, I it's, it's funny because like comparing the old stand to the new stand also comparing the old it to the new it it's like night and day it's like oh yeah has, technology has changed that much to allow them to to do all of this extra uh graphics and stuff and just put it over the top so yeah i like, really like really the, liked the first it. part of the new it i didn't i wasn't a yeah. fan yeah. of the second one but so far it was a little overkill with a lot of the gra- yeah. graphics i think yeah i feel and like I thought... that's it's so hard to adapt because i feel like everyone really loves the kids and so the second part's always the adult versions, and they just it doesn't have that same 
effect is and how they all became the a train wreck basically yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah and, and the kids the teen like actors a, were so good no that it's so true like a lot of the child actors in that were incredible and um mm-hmm. the one thing i always remember thinking this and like when i saw it when i walked out i'm like fuck like the the spider creature at the end of the tv movie was better than the thing that they <laughs> did at the end of the new one right yeah <laughs> i just like i, I, I missed the spider guy. thing yeah yeah like i was a fan of that i like that and i i know like the the people who read the book are really kind of thrown off by the spider well i mean thing. i know you two were not born when the original <laughs> it came out, <laughs> but i remember watching it because it was like it was over a what's it three night four night might have been over three or four nights i remember and racing home to see the finale and, and i'm like the fuck is a spider thing? <laughs> what you know and i was like it's cool but what what the fuck? you know <laughs> but then watching the new one i'm like looking for the whole spider thing yeah i'm like is it there yet is it there yet because that's what i remember yeah, yeah. i was like really looking for i'm like this is gonna look great and then yeah, yeah i don't know like see what they've done to the spider yeah. in part one with uh in the new one the like the the woman in the painting like her head was all weird i that was that was the only part of the first one I didn't like because it was very CGI and looked very fake. Yeah, and you know what? It, it's it seems like a I think it was Javier Botet. Uh, he's sort of a character actor who he he has um like a physical like he he has really long arms and stuff and he's really tall. Mm-hmm. So he, his physicality lends itself to these monsters. Like he's in a lot of Guillermo del Toro stuff. Yeah, and okay. you all and you look at I think it was a movie called Mama that he's in. Um, mm-hmm. and they do screen tests with him and he's just wearing a mask and he's crawling on the floor and it's incredible and it looks so eerie but then you watch the movie and they just kind of put this cgi glaze over, over top it. of it and it doesn't look good yeah yeah and it's just like keep you know keep it raw and just you know let him do his thing yeah and they have him on all the prosthetics and stuff and then like they said they touch it up with cgi and it just looks fake yeah and uh, i heard a lot of uh like i spoke to someone who worked behind the scenes of like the thing prequel Mm-hmm. And they're saying like that's basically what happened because they designed all these special effects for, uh, you know, like this. At some one point, some guy's chest bursts open. There's like these feelers coming out, but like all the practical work was just kind of supplanted by all this CGI, um, which is a shame too. Yeah, the, and it's just the practical stuff always work. looks so much better. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, because it's in camera and it's you know, I guess like the actors get to really kind of have something to interact with. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that it's more expensive to do practical effects than CGI, which just doesn't make any sense to me. You'd think it'd be the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I don't know. Because they, they could just create it on a computer, whereas, you know, the practical effects, you got to like create, build stuff, you know? Yeah. And so I, just, I, can, I can see you, the price. You think that the CGI would be more expensive, but I don't know. I guess with the technology now, it's probably a lot easier to do now than it used to be. So it's yeah. probably cheaper. Yeah, and I, I mean, think you got, you got some brainiac just just pushing a few buttons and it's there, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's Coded all like simulations there. and stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah, because practical. I know practical effects can mess up, and like you know, you can mm-hmm. ruin a whole take or something. But because a blood pack explodes in the wrong area. And then... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, I read where in The Shining, when the the elevator starts to all bleed out, that they had to do that like two or three times, and it took them like twenty four hours to reset the set to be able. Oh. to do that scene again so they cleaned all up and fill up the tanks and get all the blood back in there so it took like a whole day to redo that whole scene they do it like three times because uh, i mean i can't remember the, yeah. i'm blanking on the director's name but he was just wasn't happy with how it looked the first two times 
the bunch blood is blown isn't flowing properly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. So stuff like that, I can see that would be way more expensive than just CGI blood, but just you know, you know, getting shot blood, you know, the little Oh yeah, that's the most blood egregious stuff. thing when like a blood <laughs> spatter is CGI. I love it when the you can tell it, you know, the blood splatters and it gets on the camera and they don't bother to, to do anything about it. You're just there. <laughs> yeah. That just that puts you in the scene. And it's yeah, not yeah. a 3D movie. So it's just yeah. there. <laughs> it's just there. Yeah. Like, we can't redo this take. This is our last time. We're just leaving the blood on the camera. Yeah. So We're out of money. <laughs> As we start winding down here, uh, Brennan, who are you? Re- are you reading anybody right now that you're excited to uh, share with us? Anybody special that we don't know about? Um, so I picked up, uh, there's, I haven't started reading them yet, but they're like done. The, they're kind of the next stuff, like books by like Haley Piper, uh, okay. Laurel Hightower, um, and uh, Gabino Iglesias, his new book. Uh, I read that one recently. It was really good. Yeah. He's just, he's incredible. And yeah, I'm really excited to read his new book. And I'm reading one right now called, uh, uh, actually it's over here in a lonely place by Dorothy B. Hughes. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, that one. It was in like I think it was ninth. It was in the forties, and it's a noir. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's really it's really amazing. Um, uh, just kind of serial killer story, but it doesn't really feel like a you know normal kind of noir. It's really immersive and well written. What's that one called again? Uh, in a lonely place. Yeah. Okay. What uh what Hightower book and Haley Piper book did you get? Uh, the Worm and His King for the Piper. That's a Haley- good one. And uh, below the Mothman one for Will's yeah, good. I just I love I love cryptid shit, so I'm really excited for that. One. There, there, there's a pretty cool character in below. Oh yeah, that, that, that may be a uh, someone's mm-hmm. former name when he started doing their YouTube channel. Just yeah, <laughs> just FYI. Oh, perfect, good to know. No, I just heard a lot of good things about these books. I'm really excited. Yeah, they're both fun. Haley Piper's great. So is Laurel. They're yeah. Worm and his kings is you'll like that one because it's very weird cosmic horror kind of stuff. Yeah, that one also feels very Clive Barker-ish. Yeah, wasn't it announced recently there's gonna be a trilogy of these? Yeah, she's doing two uh, more yeah, with, uh, like... with uh what is off limits press, I think. Yeah. Oh amazing, yeah. Yeah. Where can uh, where can people find you? Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, so uh, all my handles in my name, yeah. In my yeah. yeah. <laughs> in my uh, porn screening room. Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I have a TikTok account, but I don't. I haven't used it yet. It's um, dangerous. Don't do it. No, I know. I'm. I'm you, I, you have a website. I, I was just on earlier today. Yeah, you, yeah. You run that because because I, I noticed that your upcoming events we were not listed. So. <laughs> no, I'm really bad at updating. It. Yeah, like, I, I, I saved that to the end. I totally saved it for the end. Vegas <laughs> people crap about their websites all the time. It's oh yeah, the, under construction coming Christmas of 2021. Like we're a little late. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, if, you, if you look at the post history on the sidebar, there it's like you know yeah. April 2018, and then like May 2021. Right. <laughs> Big two year one. gap. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was just seeing if we were listed as a upcoming event. We, we weren't, so no, no. That's, that's okay. That's why Jay didn't say your name in the intro. Out of, <laughs> out of spite. Out of spite. <laughs> yeah, Jay, I'm going to ask the dangerous question. What are you reading right now? Oh my gosh! Well, I'm, I'm finishing <laughs> this collection. Uh, What's that collection called again? Pornography for it in the world. Yeah, hold it up so everybody can see. Oh. What's What's the author's this, name? Brennan Vidido. 
Would you press? <laughs> I need to... Huh? It's from a from weird, weird punk, punk books. books. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing I'm reading. I've heard, I've heard they put out pretty cool stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The short story collection from Chalotsky. Mm-hmm. Then the the three novellas from Crystal <laughs> Lake Publishing with Chad and John Bowden and uh, who else Bob is in Ford. there? Bob Ford's in there. I uh, one from uh, we're gonna be here a while, Brendan. One from Titan <laughs> Books called The Butcher from uh, I saw you tweet Chad. about that that it, that grabbed you right from the beginning. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty. It's it's I've never I don't know anything about The Handmaid's Tale. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of like a mixture of that and Shirley Jackson's The Lottery mixture, and then it's oh, just okay. brutal. Yeah. Wait, who wrote uh, that? What's her name? L- Laura. Cat, something. I'm, I'm going to blank. Look it up, Jay. It's it's on my uh, Kindle machine. I'll look it up on my Kindle <laughs> on my phone here. Put me put me on the spot here, guys. <laughs> Great. Well, you know, maybe Titan Books is listening. Maybe they want to put somebody on the podcast. I know. I get their authors' names right. I'm so, I'm, this is so bad. Where is it? The pressure's on, Jay. While you're looking that up, I'll tell you what I'm reading. Laura Cat Young, yes. There so you know. Laura Cat Young, uh, that's on there. I, write this I have a, two different Jack Harding books. Um, I got the new L.J. Doherty book. What's uh, this called? Is it Haven or am I wrong? Woodhaven. Woodhaven. Okay. Yeah, I need to read something from Keelan Patrick Burke. Was that a spoiler? Was that, was that a was that a teaser? <laughs> Oh, I'm actually um, I'm I'm reading Sour Candy right now. Uh, are you cool? Yeah. Um, I did. Of... I finished three uh, the Evie Night book. Uh, three days in the Pink three Tower. Three days Pink Tower. Yeah, yeah, I finished that. I'm actually She's working on next week for that. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm uh, finishing up Dangerous Later's Moonfellows. You oh, asked. Sweet. You told me. I know. <laughs> I don't like. I, I read like a couple books at a time. I don't see how you read something like this. <laughs> I need to finish. I need to finish T.C. Parker's Hummingbird, or she's gonna come and kill me. You've she's been reading that one for a long time. I know, and it, it, it's so in depth, and it's been a bad summer. It's been, but it's not a rough. It's like multiple novellas together, right? Instead yeah. of one big long novel. Yeah, it's 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 like a mosaic. Uh, okay. Oh wow. Type together. Because I saw it was like three hundred pages or something. I was like, that's long, but it was like multiple novellas together. So did I have like three, two or three Ronald Malfi books? So I need to <laughs> just two or three of us. <laughs> yeah, and then what? Did you sent me to think about the. Fracassi last night. Oh yeah, his uh oh the children with the stranger well, or something I already like put that. It away, so yeah. <laughs> so I mean that's yeah. I need. Mean, did I you start his that. book already or no? Just download that it? one's okay. like nine thousand pages. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Brad? What are you reading right now? Uh, so I'm reading. I'm listening to an audiobook, uh, Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler, which is very Handmaid's Tale-ish. It, I'm only like four chapters into it, but it's really good. And I'm reading um, Full Immersion by Jim Amore. Oh, so, that, that too. I got that. Sorry. It's kind of a... <laughs> this is this is the life of a reviewer. It's more of a... Uh, it's more sci-fi, but it still has some horror elements to it. It's it's interesting so far. I like it. It's Reading the forward, it seems like it's a very personal book too harsh and her own experiences into it mm-hmm. the, uh, postpartum depression and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i'm gonna start uh the one you just finished uh three days in the pink tower by evie knight i'm gonna start that yeah. one probably tomorrow that's that's a, actually a, a quick read so you, you, yeah, you might get short. done with that probably over was the that, weekend was that pretty intense does that involve Based pigs? On, 
No, it's about her. It's it like was a, a fictionalized rough. audio biographical tale of her real life kidnapping and rape from when she was younger. Holy fuck. Yeah, which just it, sounds I, super uh, intense. I yeah. kind of call I kind of call it like a speculative retelling of mm-hmm. the events that happened. But she's doing it kind of like with like tarot cards or something like that are involved in it. Yeah, I don't know so anything now. about tarot cards. So I mean, I don't either. I think the tower is a tarot card. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I know in the book it's got pictures of tarot cards for like the different right. chapters and stuff. Right. Yeah. It it it's got it's got some rough spots in it. Um, writing the re- trying to write the review to be, uh, you know, to understand what's happening. That it was kind of rough, you know. To uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> Whatever. I mean, it was, the review was <laughs> r- rough to write. Also. So, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, difficult to book the review. Yeah. 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 And and even more so, like, how do you rate like her own personal experiences that she's gone through? Like, that's like yeah. writing like an autobiography. Like, this book sucked. Well, that's like saying that person's life was boring and you didn't like right. it. Like, yeah, like, it's hard yeah. to, to write things like that. Yeah, kind of like even though it's like a, a fictionalized yeah. retelling, it's still real things that happened to her. Like, it's mm-hmm. it'd be hard to, hard to talk about that one. Yeah, it almost sounds like a. Have you heard of Annika Van? She's a British writer. I think mm-hmm. she does a lot of the same. She do, kind of, kind of filters her trauma through these speculative scenarios, yeah. and yeah, it's really yeah, it's surreal. But it's also there's moments like these kind of explosions of violence. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a few. There, there's some infuriating parts, and I can tell you that. So get ready for that okay. too. And and yeah, I'm a father of two girls, so there's a few parts where I was like just just mad just yeah yeah, some boiling blood you know so like like you not to the same extent but you talked about you know writing some of your own personal stuff is that hard as an author to do that incorporate Um, that into your stuff it's not just trying to leave but (laughs) i don't know you're you're fine you're fine it's hard when people kind of see it and when they recognize it um Mm -hmm. you know especially like with family and stuff like i don't want to like, I don't want to upset anyone because uh, yeah. it's a difficult thing, you know, when you're writing not to kind of draw from your personal experience. And um, yeah, and it's just I, I never feel like it's rare that I do feel vulnerable because uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like an exorcism. I get it out and it's there and then I don't really kind of think about it. It's, it becomes almost like an objectified version of that event. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I do think there is a kind of therapeutic component to the writing. Um yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's feeling like getting whatever it is off your chest in a way. Yeah. It's, there's a kind of catharsis that occurs uh, when you're really delving into the subject matter. Right. Is there a thing yeah, like it, where it is an outlet? So it is a form of an outlet. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever feel like it's also maybe like extending your hand out? Like you had these certain issues or problems, whatever they may be. And maybe a reader can sort of empathize with that. And maybe they're going through kind of something similar and, Maybe they can help them out in some roundabout way, get through whatever they're dealing with. Yeah, that would be like, that'd be amazing. Um, no one's reached out. Uh, like I'm worried, like it's almost like a lot of these things are almost too abstracted sometimes mm-hmm. to kind of really get at the, the core of it. But yeah, that'd be like incredible if someone reached out and was able to find some kind of commonality in there as, yeah. as weird as these, some of these stories are. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll end it on this. What do you want people to get out of this? What kind of feelings, what, what experience do you want them to get from pornography for the end 
of the world, if there um, is any. It's a deep I, question to end yeah, on. Yeah, is a, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. There's that. that <laughs> I dug deep for that one. Let's, let's, no, no, no. <laughs> he wants him to get a good time, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. yeah, I guess a mixture of like there's like kind of sadness, confusion repulsion uh, attraction like i you know i've, I've had friends one of the funniest <laughs> things is like when someone's like i kind of felt weirdly aroused but like <laughs> kind of felt bad for feeling that way that's Makes always feel, hilarious I, to me but, i feel uh, shame for getting, a, yeah. <laughs> getting <aroused by> <laughs> do you ever have any like family or friends like this is just too much brandon what is wrong with you <laughs> i I don't know. I, like, I don't know if my parents even read my stuff. I was gonna say, <laughs> you, you notice you're not invited to any more family functions anymore. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Like, I, yeah, because I don't think my my extended family or anything reads yeah. my stuff, and that's fine. But because, like, like, would you feel awkward if your mom wrote read this these stories? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some okay. stuff I just don't like. You know, just just mom like, passed yeah. passed on it. Mom, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't read the second, the third, the fifth. In the seventh story, <laughs> yeah, just read the this paragraph from this. Yeah. Story. Just read the synopsis on the back, and that's all. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, why don't I just tell you what it's about? Okay, <laughs> and, all, and it's just totally spin it. So, yeah, and it's just yeah, kind of like sharing it with people, and you know, like when you're dating, you're like, hey, what do you write? And it's like, oh shit, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that right, was the, it's, it's been it's been fun. Date. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for fun the fun the family functions over we're, yeah. we're done we're kicking, yeah, we're kicking you out we're, we're done yeah. you you're writing we just can't we just can't handle it yeah yeah, yeah. and then he's gonna got, go look up kinda, that porno movie and he's gonna watch it you kind of get, get the uh you kind of get the eye rolls at the family at the uh reunions and stuff like that's the guy that's, that wrote it like, yeah that's the whispers guy. i feel like i'd be whispers. doing something right if that uh <laughs> yeah he writes about the weird sex, don't. Yeah, he's a weird <laughs> sex guy. Just stay away. <laughs> All right, guys, it's going to do. We're going to wrap it up. It's been another exciting episode of Paper Cuts, if I do say so myself. Do you guys? I'm glad you're excited. Exciting? Yeah. yeah. Thank okay. you so much for having me. Do you, do you want to throw the, the winner back up there again in case she just happens to be mosing through YouTube? You would Can ask do that? that, Jay. She's probably oh, watching. Okay. If not, no biggie. No, I don't have it anymore. Okay. Well, you're you're gonna put that on on the on on yeah. Twitter, right? Yeah, I'll put it on Twitter tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Rin Elizabeth. Okay. Yeah, I guess we should probably like officially tag her or something, and <laughs> be, be like one be like one of these real shows or something. Yeah. Our hey, guest this we, evening. At least we spun their wheel and didn't just pick a friend, right? That is true. <laughs> that is true. Our guest say, hey, look, I won the book. Would you stop interrupting me, Brad? Seriously. <laughs> Can I do this wrap up here? We're so we trying get to get to here? two minutes and two hours and five minutes, Jade. I'm just playing. Go ahead. No, we're not. Are we? It's no, like... I'm trying to get to that. I'm trying to make it go. Go ahead. Brad, thanks so much for stopping by. I totally <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> like the, end, the endings of our shows are total train wrecks. We're like, whatever. The whole, the whole show is a train wreck, Jay. We, from <laughs> beginning to end. So the, the book's available now. Uh, Brad will have uh, on the description we're punk books uh, website so you can pick it up mm-hmm. there. Um, and you know, if you if you order directly from uh Sam and we're punk, you usually get some kind of swag inside. So do do it that way, do it that way. So, Brandon, thanks so much for stopping by, really Thank appreciate so it. Uh, I think that's it, guys. Until we have a show next week and next week, also, right? Evie Knight and then Ronald Kelly, yeah, yeah, moving along. Thanks, everybody who's in the chat. 
even uh, the cannibal Chad Lutsky. Totally appreciate it. <laughs> he dipped out a long time ago. I know. He was like, <laughs> he's like, screw Jay. He, I'm done. <laughs> Until next time, stay safe. See ya. I'm glad you got to see me. Love you, Jay. I know you do. <laughs>